If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. I've been talking a lot about your fight. I feel like I'm more excited than maybe you are. But I don't have to go Probably, get hit in the man. face. Yeah, I know. Like, for me, it's kind of the calm before the storm. I think for you, it's just storm, 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 fight, and then more storm after that. Well, I, I kind of like the idea that I can see this one. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people like that fact. Um, and I haven't been able to, uh, the other ones, even though they, they were in There's one in Jacksonville, one in, one Jackson, in Tallahassee. One in Tallahassee, so yeah. they were close enough. This one's the furthest away, but this one will be the first I get to actually like watch. There you Is go. Is it wrong to ask if I can bet on the fight? I think you can, actually. Ooh. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. Well, that just Don't changed Don't quote everything. me on that. <laughs> oh, man. Brent's going to put the whole company at risk. <laughs> that just changed everything. Uh, Brent's putting the whole studio in jeopardy. This is, uh, do you bet with your heart or do you bet with your head? Mm. <laughs> Sometimes both, Brent. <laughs> Hopefully it's the same thing for you, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, so why is this one? Is this, this reach a, uh, yeah, a certain just, level where they you can actually just because this on? one's going to be televised, you know, pretty much around the world. So I think, like, I I know they have odds, which obviously I'm not really into. I really don't care. But yeah. I'm pretty sure they'll, like, they'll release odds eventually. So huh. I think you can bet on it. Wow. How about that? I don't know. Uh, it, interesting. Yeah. Uh, very well, interesting. listen, we're betting on these days if I get stung by a queen bee <laughs> or if it even is a queen what, bee. But if, if it's a really a queen bee is, first of all, what I wanted. <laughs> all those I figured out was it was one fat bee. Yeah. Did you take a picture of it? I couldn't because I was trying to avoid it. Makes me wonder if it even happened. Oh, no, it happened. People mm. saw the bee. Okay. They knew about the bee. Uh, it's kind of our our mascot. The bee? Yeah, I'm, the bee. I'm, I'm not mad at it. I mean, I have a bee tattoo on <laughs> my back, you so do. I'm all for that, man. I thought of this today. Actually, I have no idea why I thought of this. Okay. But I was thinking about you and Jason Fitz. Okay. And and I said, I wonder if there's a tattoo. I don't know if I've asked this question before. I don't think I have. But if there's a tattoo that you could erase. Oh. <laughs> right? Yeah. What would it be? I mean... When you like have as many as Survivor I do, game. sure. Right. When when you have as many as I do, there's probably a, a couple regrets in there. Um, great question. I don't think you've ever asked me that question before. But just think, like you can have one you regret, okay? Like you you talked yeah. about the first one you did, like in the kitchen, which probably wasn't the yeah, safest I mean, place that, to do. Exactly. That's probably the one I'd probably take back. But is is it still like? Is there one that just you know, like? Why did I even do that in terms of the uh, actual subject matter? Yeah. Or it just didn't come out like you thought it was going to come out, even though you might not want to admit so, it to that person. So, <laughs> for sure. A, a survivor tattoo game, Yeah. if you have more than three, you, you, can, know you can play along. It's kind of, okay, <laughs> it, it's kind of ironic because it's actually one of my favorite stories. But, like, looking back on it now, we'll, uh, it's kind of like, we'll, I don't know. But, um, so I have my mom's name across my heart in Chinese. And say, be careful here. Yeah, across my heart in Chinese. And the reason, so her, her name is Julie. So I think I was, man, might have been 16, 17. Um, no, you know what? I, was, I think I was 17. It was right before I was in for college, right? So get ready to leave for college. 
I get tattooed in my chest, didn't tell my mom. So I come home, and she's like, where have you been? I'm like, yeah, got tattooed. She's like, what? I said no more tattoos. I'm like, nah, it's not a big deal. So then I show her to her. She's like, what is that supposed to mean? You got some Chinese, you know, something, you know, in Chinese. Do you know what it means? I'm like, yeah, means Julie, means mom in Chinese. This is your name across my heart. And then, like, she immediately put <laughs> 180. And she's like, you, you can get all the tattoos that you want, Ross. <laughs> I love you. I like, so that's awesome. Yeah, mom doesn't so, want me to get a tattoo, but mom, I got a tattoo. Yeah, exactly, you. exactly. So, so though, to be fair, like I mean, I don't really regret getting it, obviously, but I get all the time, like, what is that? Why, why do you have Chinese on your body? So probably that one, I would say. But but, but I don't regret getting it. <laughs> I was gonna say, don't. I hope mom's not listening right oh, now. Oh no, no. Well, yeah, so, man, I don't regret getting it for that, but it's just like people always ask me, like, well, yeah, yeah, well, what, what does it, it mean? So, so you like, should just wrote your mom's name. Maybe. Exactly. Or just mom. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's funny. But then and then. The up on it she actually got tattooed on her arch which is an aggressive place to get tattooed she got baby boy tattooed which is like what she used to always call me and everything so then she got baby boy across the arch after i got mom on my chest so she got on the bottom of her foot like uh, on her arch right here man oh so on the side like the there. side, that's the side. Arch. That's yeah. the arch. i mean i guess I'm I, that's a, what i would uh, uh podiatrist <laughs> neither am i man called a podiatrist I think so. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. even have that. I'm flat-footed. Listen, so. man, we've been learning a lot of stuff this last couple couple well, days. Well, and since we're on the topic, real quick, say one of your kids come up to you, 18 years old, say I want to get a tattoo. What do you tell them? I gotta be careful they're not listening here because this could be recorded. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I just thought. How about it? <laughs> so, um, I mean, I guess I wouldn't think it was a, a, that big a deal now. I really don't. I think yeah. it's become such a norm. Uh, I think if you had asked Stay me that question. Face, though, obviously. If you had asked me that question like 20 years ago, I'd probably have been like, <gasps> Yeah. Right? Like sure. if my sister's asked or if I asked my parents, would be like, what? Yeah. You got a what? You know, it kind of was like that. But it just doesn't feel like that anymore. Um, and I, I guess I would just remind them like, hey. Not that you realize this right now and know this right now, but mm-hmm. remember when you're old and flabby and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 72, you have sure. whatever girl you think you are in love with right now yeah. is on your uh, arm. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I, think, so, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I, I don't have that conversation, but I, I don't know. Like Steph probably would feel different. Sure. She'd probably still be. She she keeps everybody in a little bit of a bubble. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. In, yeah. Our, in our world, sometimes it's not always a bad thing. By the way, I mm-hmm. appreciate that about Steph. But uh, she might be a little bit more like a what? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I'm also not a huge. Um, here's the thing on the 18. Okay, mm-hmm. every kid wants to say when I'm 18. Sure. I'm an adult. Yeah. And I can do what I want. Yeah. Well, that's fine. But just don't ask me for a dollar then. Seriously, I like yeah. I mean, like, every kid wants to play that card, yeah. and it kind of works. What? Because you can vote. Yeah. You can't even drink, and you can't pay your own damn bills. Yeah. And so, if you're still, if I'm paying your bills, yeah, you still have to ask me for permission. I don't care if you're living in my house or not, but yeah. just where are you getting the money for the tattoo, and can you pay your car insurance? For sure. <laughs> like, no, fair that, dude, that's it's a fair question. That, that reminds me. I think it was my freshman or sophomore year from college. I'm back oh, home for the we'll summer. Talk sports later. Yeah, this we'll, is we'll, life. We're to get there, man. This is life advice. 
freshman or sophomore year, going in the summer, coming back home from college. You know, you know, like those first couple of years coming back home from college, you feel like the man, like you, you feel so experienced, like you you've been through life stuff now, right? You're, you're a college kid, especially being you're out of state. Man. Yeah, you're a man, especially being out of Kentucky. <laughs> you know, back in Wisconsin. So I'm home, man, and I forgot. Like my mom, like offered to, to wash my. She offered to do something nice for me. And I just remember, and I don't know why I said it. I thought I was, you know, a big shot. I'm just like, Ma, I'm a grown-ass man. I'll do whatever I want. You know, like, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do the and, yeah, I'll do the laundry. Don't worry about it. And, like, ever since, like, then, she always reminds me that. And it's like, hey, Mom, can I, can I get something to eat? No, you're a grown-ass man. You can get it yourself. I was like, oh, okay. I see how we're working. So <laughs> I like Mom I'll, right I'll, there. I'll, I'll always take Good advantage move. when you can, Brent. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. Good move. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. We've got a few years to handle those kind of situations. Yes, you do. Uh, until they're 18. Let's just get to high school first. Uh, <laughs> Brent Margo, Austin Lane Coos here on a Wednesday Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We normally do talk more sports than this at the start of the show if you're just jumping in. Uh, but got off on a little bit of a tangent to start. Uh, here is the great news of the day. I mean, I can't believe it. I'm stunned, uh, amazed, and thankful. Um, Ryan Newman walked out of the Halifax Medical Center in Daytona. Did you see the picture? I did. I mean, wow. What an amazing story. Less than 48 hours. Uh, I, I I've got to tell you, man, I'm being on. I'm just being honest with you. I am stunned mm-hmm. that first of all, I saw the picture earlier today where he was standing up and, and took a picture with his little girls and they said he was uh, walking around and then he got released from the hospital. And uh, gosh, it, it it goes back to our conversation yesterday. And now it's a no doubter. It could have been a a disaster, tragic black eye for NASCAR on Monday with uh, what maybe could have transpired in the Daytona 500 as that finished. And we posed the question, was it more of a black eye for the sport because of the danger of it? Or was it more of a feather in the cap of the sport to see how far they've come to protect the drivers and the safety? And now the answer to me is crystal clear. Ryan Newman just walked out of there less than 48 hours ago after we thought, quite frankly, many of us at the track that night that he might be dead. And, uh, I, I'm stunned. Uh, what a picture. What a what an awesome day for Ryan Newman uh, and his family and, and those little girls. And I, I can't believe it. So when they announced it, it would have been, I guess, you know, later that night of the incident when they said, you know, he's he's responding. I'm picturing a guy that's going to be bedridden, you know, maybe for the next couple of weeks or so. And not necessarily paralyzed, but, you know, just like learning how to regain all his functions again and everything. And this dude's walking outside like. If I'm Ryan Newman, at least, like, strap an IV to me so it looks like, you know, I went through something. Because if you watch that crash, dude, I'm trying to milk that for all it's worth. I'm trying to be like, look at what I just walked away from. But the dude's just hand-in-hand with his two kids like nothing ever happened, man. I agree with you, Brent. I think it's a testament to the the safety, um, you know, uh, of those cars, what NASCAR has done. Because there's no way that guy should be walking with his kids right now. Incredible. I I still, uh, I don't think we've heard the extent of the actual injuries. Uh, I don't unless that's out there in the last couple of minutes. I saw that picture and I haven't seen anything more on Ryan Newman since. But I, I what were the injuries and and was it concussion? You know, what, yeah. did they have to be really careful? Were there surgeries involved? Well, All I mean, those things. He, I mean, it's, he's not casted up or anything from, from the picture. So, I mean, it's nothing broken. It seems like I have. I'm a positive guy. I have never. Uh, I think felt so. Um, I guess I've never really have thought the worst as much as I did about Ryan Newman. Mm-hmm. Not only that I thought he may have been dead, but once they told us 
and it was not a life-threatening injuries, I still thought the worst. I thought it could have been paralysis. I thought yeah. it could have been vertebrae, pelvis, collapse, all these things. And who knows what it is, but he's walking out of there less than 48 hours after it happened. So that's going to eliminate a lot of those things that I just mentioned if you're walking out of the hospital already. Well, it's just unbelievable. And listen, I, I don't know exactly how fast he was going when he got hit by the other car. And like Stuart kind of brought this up yesterday a little bit, you know, with physics and everything. But, yeah, it slows well, down listen, to a degree. All, but. all I know is what I've watched, you know. And like, I've been on the football field, man. Where there's been some big hits, and guys, you know, suffer catastrophic injuries, man. And for him to go through that in that race car, essentially get hit on, you know, on his driver's side like that, and just walk away with him, we'll find out the extent of the injuries hopefully soon. It's just, it's 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 actually baffling to me. <laughs> it, it is, and it, it does it make you wonder a little bit. I understand, like we don't drive race cars, yeah. But can any of that technology, and maybe it already is, can any of that technology translate to a normal vehicle? Yeah. Uh, and and does that? I, again, I'm very uh, ignorant on the. I just mm-hmm. kind of thinking about it right now and say, does any of that kind of technology get transferred over to the GMCs, or the GMs of the world, the Toyotas of the world, the you know all of it yeah. to those manufacturers and be like, hey, can we do this? It's obviously very costly in a, in a stock car. I understand you're not going to do roll cages and all that stuff, yeah. but could any of it, uh, any of that kind of stuff? And maybe it already is. So, you know, people might be listening and be like, yeah, did they already share information on that? I don't know. I don't know if they do, but yeah. uh, it is just gotta be really careful on the word miracle. It gets mm-hmm. overused. I gotta believe if I'm Ryan Newman, I'm thinking that's one heck of a miracle. I'm walking out of there today, uh, and I would I wouldn't be afraid to use that word uh, if I was Ryan Newman, well his put. family, and everybody else. All right, uh, so great news there on Ryan Newman. When we come back, we talk a little football. Start showing some football. We brought some stuff up yesterday about Jan and and uh, Gardner Minshew. There's some other stories in the NFL floating around that, believe it or not, make you say, "Whoa." Maybe the Chags aren't as bi- At least they're not the worst in the NFL, maybe. Corporate show Brett Martineau coming show. out to play? Is that what's going on <laughs> well, right that's now? that's what I thought about. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and not only that, I was wa- I, I was watching some of the storylines that might come up in the next month. Mm-hmm. And by March 20th, might you say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. I'm glad the Jags didn't do that. Okay. You know, that's yeah. my point. Yeah, that's good. And uh, it, just some of those examples... Uh, and a couple of them could involve the the Rams, but they're not alone. Dallas okay. Cowboys uh, and some of these big free agent signings that are about to happen. Uh, we'll talk about it next. Action Sports Chats on ESPN 69. Love football. You're always invited to the conversation. 904-362-9901. Good to be home in the studio. Somebody clean this place Welcome up. Welcome back. <laughs> we'll be back. Now get to cleaning. You know, I had a long day on Sunday. I think I did 45 minutes on camera, and then I did the press conference. I have to say I made one mistake during that long day. That was in an effort to make a rhetorical point. I referred to the World Series trophy in a disrespectful way, and I want to apologize for that. There's no excuse for it. Um, I made a mistake. I was trying to make a point, but I should have made it in a more effective way. And again, I want to apologize for it. That's Commissioner Rob Manford, Major League Baseball. This guy is like a 12-year-old kid. You know, this is a pro- we had there are so many egos, right? There are so many egos in sports, in shoot, our business, in in all facets of life. You have to have a little bit of an ego as well. But sometimes you're just dripping with ego and mm-hmm. it's annoying. And this is a guy and an example of dripping with ego for a guy who 
really shouldn't be anyway. I don't know what the heck he did to get to the position he's in, and I don't really care, but he's screwing it up big time right now. His legacy's already been built in this spot. Mm. And I, I love the use of the word audacity <laughs> to say I made one mistake. Yeah. His whole freaking press conference been a mountain of mistakes. was a bleep show. Coos, I want you to be a favorite man, if you can. I know that's asking a lot of you. I want you to take that inter- that, that that presser right there that we played, and after the break or whatever, add the Curb Your Enthusiasm jingle to it. <laughs> and then when we come back in after the show for the next break, yeah, well, we're going to play that again because it's going to sound a lot better. Oh, man. It's uh, ridiculous. What, man. It's, it's not stopping either. And, and again, I saw, said this a little bit yesterday, and I really don't feel like this is a huge um, – storyline with our listeners you know we don't talk a lot of baseball uh it's a great area for baseball on the youth level the high school level collegiate level but it's it's not a lot of die hard hey i want you to talk baseball all the time major league fans but this is scandal this is uh sign stealing and and this is becoming bigger and bigger daily rather than going the other way Mm -hmm. Uh, so I hesitate to just sit here and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it because I like baseball. I'm passionate about baseball, and this guy is screwing it up left and right. But I still can't believe how many players are talking about it. I, King I, James, I, Brent? I, I brushed over it yesterday yeah. and to say that play, but players don't do this, Austin. Players I you, man, do not rip other players this LeBron openly. James came on on Twitter. You see that one? Yeah, and, and I saw a little bit of mixed review on that. LeBron, I like LeBron speaks on a lot of different things. Sure. I saw somebody brought up, and I don't, I, I, I vaguely remember him saying very little about the China ordeal. Mm. And I saw somebody say, like, sure, talk about Major League <laughs> Baseball, even though you wouldn't talk about your own sports problems because Ooh, it had something to do with it. And it's probably yeah, a fair yeah, point. Yeah. So I don't – I love LeBron James. You know, yeah. I love him. I, I think he's probably my – well, he's in terms of athletes, I don't yeah, want to put on a pedestal. He spoke very highly of him he's, all the time. He's there. I don't really care what LeBron James has to say about Major League Baseball, to be honest with you. And I think I think if we see him in a batting cage trying to hit like seventy miles per hour, I think it's going to break your heart. Like because <laughs> no, let's be honest, because like we call this guy like a, an Uber athlete and yeah. everything. We see him in a batting cage trying a baseball bat, it'll probably break nah, your heart. That would break my heart. Prove my point. Okay, hard. I got gotcha. you. It would break my heart though too. I'm like, you're supposed to be like the, the chosen one, man. You're the biggest athlete in the world, and ew. Yeah. Uh, but hey, if you want to talk more about, I'm all in on the the sign stealing scandal. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk more about it, nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one. Anytime during the show, anytime over the next couple of days, it is a fascinating storyline. We again, I think it's interesting when we watch history in front of our own eyes. And sometimes we see that with great teams. Sometimes we see that with great players. Sometimes we see that with storylines. And some of it is scandal. I said a couple weeks ago during the whole two home games in London for the Jags, I feel like that week is going to be a week that is remembered, discussed, talked about, and could could alter or give us perspective on this organization moving forward when we look back on it 10, 20 years from now. Mm -hmm. And I believe that. So I think we lived that week, and that was a that that'll be a poignant week when we tell the Jaguar story one way or another down the road. I think we're seeing it again right now in in Major League Baseball. We are seeing something that is we hear about Shoeless Joe Jackson. Pete Rose is an example now that is used all the times in sports. The steroid era is so blanketed and and so widespread that it's used as as an example of things, and we kind of. That's fresh in our minds. But the Pete Rose thing is kind of so distant. Nobody grew up around. Not nobody, but a lot of people didn't. Shoeless Joe Jackson, nobody did. It's just in movies and, and history books. This is real. This is happening, like right now. And it's a, it's a fascinating thing to me, uh, the way it will be looked at 
later this year, five years, 10 years, 50 years down the road. And to me, look, at I understand this is a team thing from the Houston Astros, right? Like not one player did it, but we tie this to Jose Altuve. You know, we tie this to the other players. And the difference is usually if, if a player gets caught cheating, whether it's, you know, like, like a doping scandal or some other, uh, something of that nature, they get disciplined, Brent, right? Like we hear you're suspended for so amount of games, you're suspended for the year. Well, people on that Houston Astros team, Brent, like the players themselves that took part in this, willingly, are not suspended. Yes. They're going to be playing opening day. Now, yes, their manager, gone or whatever. So like, I get that point. But it's just, to me, it's unprecedented from the standpoint of, all these guys knew what they were doing, okay? And, and all these guys took part of it. They, th- Their stats flourished because of it. And you didn't give them so much as a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Like that's, th- that's to me, is the unprecedented part of this. Unprecedented and also that the players have this big a problem with that, mm-hmm. you know? And, and they're right, uh, but I just didn't think it would come to this. It wouldn't come to John Carlos and say, I could add 80 home runs if you give me that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I do think you would have still had 400 strikeouts <laughs> if you saw my tweet today. Nice. But, I didn't, but uh, I like it. Uh, uh, you know, guys cost their jobs, their livelihood. They're, they feel that way. They're mm-hmm. strong about it. And the other one is Fires here, who who was the whistleblower on this. I mean, I, I, I understand the angst of that. It's like, hey, what stays in the locker room? But wait a minute. That guy, I feel, should be more and more as the, we see the angst of the players. He should be praised. Because the players are probably like, I'm glad you told us about that. I'm glad we found out about this. This could have been a three, four, five, six year run. When was it going to stop? Well, so I think uh, a guy that sometimes whistleblowers can really, you never know mm-hmm. how they'll be perceived. I think Fires is looking better and better in this and getting more traction and more uh, allies, I would say, from his fellow te- players Good. in the MLB. Good. And I, listen, I talked about it before. If I'm Fires and I go to a new team and I play the Houston Astros, well, the way I put food on my kids' table is to strike people out. And if, if I know dang well that the Houston Astros are cheating, they know my sign's coming, well, then, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something, man, because th- that's not fair. So I, I absolutely agree with Fires, and I get maybe some of the public, you know, may kind of consider him like an outsider now, but I think what he did was right. I think it's proven more and more. I think it's debatable sometimes. But, hey, if you're told to do the right thing, sure sounds like Fires did the right thing. Yes, sir. I don't know what the motivation behind it was, but I mean, like I said, to me, it's the motivation of I don't want to go against the team that knows what pitches are coming. Well, all right, when, I when, I, when I'm trying to succeed, but he was a part of it. At, uh, at he the was time. a part of it, Brent. But then now he's he's, he's on the A's, right? So he has to play against but that against team. It. Yeah, and see, that's yeah. what you knew. How could this stay secret? With how much transactions yeah. there are in major in professional sports, mm-hmm. you knew it would eventually come out, and uh, here we are. Well, we're supposed to talk a little football. We talked baseball there mm-hmm. instead. We will talk a little football. How many teams I want to know are going about to have a bad next month and make some bad decisions, including the Jaguars? Where are they on that list? We'll get to in just a moment. Instead, right now we're going to bring in University of North Florida men's basketball coach Matthew Driscoll. I'm assuming somewhere in Virginia. Got big one tomorrow against Liberty tomorrow night. Uh, they're all big, but now you can finally talk about going one and zero tomorrow night. <laughs> Hey, what's going on, brother? Hey, how, about, uh, how about Vegas sets the line on how many guys are going to get hit? Yeah. Oh, number's like what? Eighty? Like eighty-three? I think. I think it was like eighty-one and a half or something like that. But it might have even gone up to eighty-three, coach. <laughs> <laughs> how crazy! How, first of all, how crazy is that that people are sick enough to bet on it? And second of all, that's a lot of dudes getting hit. 
that would be a lot because it's all on one team. We're not talking about league wide. We're talking about one team. That's a lot of well, black and blue marks. Well, the guys that play for other teams, they'll get they'll get pegged too, right? Well, yes, uh, I guess if they feel associated with it, but I, I don't see a lot of that. You know, that happened with the managers like Carlos Beltran when he went to the Mets and obviously Alex Cora with the Red Sox and, and they let him go. But I haven't seen the so player like, side of that as much. I, I think most of those those Astros, are, especially the hitters that were stealing signs, are still a part of the Astros. It was a, a big core so, of that team. So how about what, so what's the what's the delineation between whether a dude gets hit or not? Like. Is it close? Is it brush back? Is it puts him on the ground? Is it like if you throw it behind him, does that count? I mean, I like to know, I like to know, like with the national anthem, you know, it's when the first note and the last note, it's a little bit more clear cut. So I, I'd like to know exactly what that is. But, anyways, hey, before we get to us, how about the Baylor Bears? How about the amazing turnaround 17 years ago when Scott Drew takes over with our staff with a murder? And then next thing you know, they break the record for the most wins ever in a row in the Big 12. And uh, just, just just amazing for Coach to do what he's doing right now. With the Really, if, if you ever saw the Christmas movie where they have the Misfit Island, that's what he has. <laughs> he's got a whole bunch of Misfits, Division Threes, Division One transfers, JUCOs, guys that nobody wanted, guys that can't play at every program. And, and uh, I'm just really, really happy and proud of them. And, you know, for us, you know, you, when you look at where we're at and what's going on and, you know, being a half game up is, is irrelevant because really all that matters is the number of wins and losses you have. At the end of the day, we're all playing the same game. So tomorrow night is another first-place game for us. I think, I'm not positive, I think it's our seventh straight or eighth straight game that determined first place. Wow. So, yeah, so, so we've been in this, you know, we've been in this scenario. We've talked about this a lot and, you know, our philosophy and our culture and the way in which we go about it, you know, a couple of things could go either way during this entire six-game winning streak, but our guys have really been resilient and persevered. And, you know, you talk about Florida was top five in the country, Florida State was top five in the country at one point. Um, um, uh, Iowa and Creighton were both top 15, Dayton top five in the country. So, you know, where does that come into play right now? Um, that, that experience and that what the guys went through then, of course, competed in every single game we had. Some of the games like Garrett Sams, who, by the way, is on fire right now and playing at a high, high, high level. So we really feel like we're, we're in a great place. They're very talented. I really think when you look at it, Brent, when you look at it, Austin, it's, it's really two teams that really feel like they were going to be at this place anyways on this date playing for this first place at stake if you look at it from the beginning. Coach, you know, you mentioned that you guys are obviously playing on the road now. One would assume that the crowd's going to be very into it. Something that I always wondered with, with basketball in general, because you hear it all the time in football, you know, like the, the goal is to take the crowd out of it, right? Like score first, take the crowd out of it if you're on the road, and shut them down. In terms of basketball, you know, where, where the crowd's so close to you, like when you're giving your pregame speech or when you're talking to your guys, do you acknowledge the crowd or do you just try to act like it's not even there for, for your players? Well, the first thing we do is we always, in, in the preseason, that's funny, it's a great question, actually. In the non-conference, we uh, we actually have a like a little poll we take to see who has the best uh, uh, introductions, huh. see who has the most, who has the most expensive, <laughs> most expensive fireworks, fire and sound, and, and, and it's funny because like guys will be like, coach, they ain't got no bow speaker like they're like I got, they ain't got no, I mean it's. 
So it's pretty cool. Like Florida Gulf Coast the other day, I went up to the guy and I said, I said, hey, man, great national anthem. He did a heck of a job. He goes, hey, your dad, he was, he was, he was a Christian. He goes, hey, your dad's a pastor, isn't he? And I said, nah, you got the wrong dude. <laughs> I said, I, 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 I believe in the Lord, but, but my dad ain't no pastor. So I went into the huddle, and I actually, the guys were like, coach, who are you talking to? So I started telling them the story, and they started laughing. So I do think sometimes it does help break up a little bit of that stuff. Mm. I think it breaks up a little bit of that what's going on because if you get caught up into it now. And, that, and I'm going to tell you something else now. We was beating Creighton, right? In the second half, we was up. And they started making a little bit of run. When they hit that shot to take the lead, like, it was over in that joint. It was so loud. <laughs> like, we had taken them out of the game, and we were playing well. They made a little bit of run, but we sustained it. But when they hit that one bucket to put them up one, man, like, the roof was going to come off. So, our guys have experienced that. They'll probably be probably close to eight, 9,000 here tomorrow night. Uh, the game will be replayed on Friday at 5 o'clock on ESPNU. And, uh, you know, it bodes well. And uh, yeah, we're healthy. They're healthy. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it's really in February, if you look at ESPN or you look at CBS Sports or Sports Illustrated, it's one of the big games Thursday night because not too many leagues have this kind of a scenario. And, and when you look at it, too, when you look at it, too, Brent, I'm sorry, did you have a question? No, no go ahead. I was going to say, when you look at it too, Brent, you know, they're like 24 and three or something like that, whatever they are, you know, and, and, and they have to do things differently than we do. That's just the way life is. But we're 18 and 10. I mean, if you think about it, if we're both in the same league, let's say the Big 12, and we're battling like this, we're both probably being talked about as being, you know, two seeds or three seeds or four seeds and, and, and so on and so forth. So, it's really cool at this level to have this kind of a magnitude of a game, especially when you're in a one-bid league like we are. Absolutely. Uh, UNF men's basketball coach Matthew Driscoll with us here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Big game in uh, Liberty uh, in Virginia against Liberty. First place on the line once again in the A-Sun tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. What does or what – well, you've been around this thing long enough to know, and you know you guys have built a very nice home court advantage at UNF Arena. What does that top seed potentially – there's a lot of work to be done still, but what would that potentially mean in the first week of March in the A-Sun tournament? I think a couple things that people really don't realize. First of all, not only is everybody coming to you, but the first game is a Tuesday and the second game is a Thursday. So the turnaround is almost like it is during the regular season. And when you have that quick of a turnaround with travel, that's a hard prep, especially when you're a different team like we are and like Liberty is, you know, because they're pace of play and the way they play. And then us, because we shoot threes and we play zones. So and one factor, that in and of itself is, 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 is different and, and interesting. And then secondly, when you have those teams coming in, because you're playing at your venue – and because the other team has played there before, there actually is a sense of, of understanding as far as, like, what it is and what it's about. But it's nothing like what it was the first time. No matter where we go in the league, when you go there during the, uh, the tournament, the crowds are always two, three, sometimes in our case, you know, 6,133. So because of that, it makes that arena even that much different. So I've noticed over the past that it's really, you know, spurred, spurred some differences in that way as well, too. So, And we're, we're the only league in America that does it 
all the way through the way we do it and the time frame in which we do it. We even reseed, Brett. So if there's an upset in the first round, instead of the one seed playing the four seed, the one seed would play, let's say, the seven upset. So now the four would have to play the two. So we even reseed. So the league is really trying to make sure that the team that did the best during the regular season should be rewarded as much as they possibly can to get the best opportunity they can to get that bid since it is a one-bid league. So I think it's it actually it's, it's pretty cool. Coach, when we talk about mid-majors, obviously usually how it works in basketball is only one team can go from each conference, right? And I think if you talk about like, you know, like a Big Ten, a Big 12, or an SAC conference where you win that conference championship, you know, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance with that. I'm, I'm sure they celebrate that very much. In terms of, of your case, you know, I mean, how much of the goal is it to win the conference championship or is it you just kind of focus on that and then all of a sudden it's tournament time and then obviously you focus on winning the, 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 the conference tournament because that's where you go to the dance. Well, I think just to clarify too, you yeah. mean regular season. Does it have value, the regular season championship, in, in even though it doesn't automatically say you're going to the dance? Exactly. First of all, the regular season is an automatic into the NIT. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it does have great credence to it. Because if it didn't have an automatic bid in the NIT, then if you don't win the tournament, you might not get in. You might not even get into the NIT. Yeah, and which is obviously a prestigious postseason tournament. Obviously, the NCAA and the NIT are the two most prestigious. So, in that in and of itself is a great, great, great carrot. And and winning the regular season championship also gives you that seeding. If we were a neutral site like the Big Ten and all those guys, you're right. It wouldn't have the same credence. And whoever wins the regular season, in the Big Ten is going to the NCAA tournament. But mm-hmm. so for us. We talk about at the beginning of the year being that it's it's an automa- we're automatically in postseason in one of the two biggest tournaments. So yes, that that that's what the regular season means uh, from that aspect. And two, you know, you hang a banner, you talk about championships. I mean, look at Kim Mulkey; she's the fastest coach in men and women's of six hundred wins. She's averaging thirty wins in five. She's six hundred and one hundred in twenty years. Six hundred and one hundred. She's thirty and five every year. But she's won like 12 straight Big 12 championships or something like that. And you ask her, and those are just as valuable as the national championship because there's, there's got to be some meat to them. And there's got to be some, some value to them. And that's what we talk about when we talk about the regular season championship. The seeding first, but it does guarantee you into one of those tournaments. Matthew Driscoll with us, uh, UNF Meds basketball coach. Big one tomorrow night uh, at Liberty. I know you got to go watch film in a, in a couple minutes. So uh, last one for you. And by the I, way, it's beautiful here. It's like that's like I'm outside. It's 60. As a matter of fact, I think I should have sunscreen on. I think I'm getting <laughs> You might be should. Did you get your run in this morning? Yes, I, you know I got it here. Okay, I got it. Yeah. I ran campus. Yeah, I ran campus. It was awesome. Never Dunkin' Donuts. Let's go! Hey, did you guys? But did you get there super early? Is that an earlier trip than normal to be there this morning? Well, what I like, well, well, you know me. I like what I like to do is I like taking the first flight because if there's an issue, now you're not screwed up later on. Secondly, the earlier you get here, the better opportunity the guys get a, a nap. So I want to make sure the guys get a nap 
and then we get we got to get all the flying out. And now we'll do video. We'll go do practice. We'll get a walk through a great stretch, get some shots up, and then we'll go to dinner. I got you. That was not my last question, by the way, but this one is. All right, what was it? Uh, and I feel like I know what you're going to say here, but I, 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 I want you to think about it. You guys are tremendous offensively. I think you guys call it uh, OER, right? Offensive efficiency rankings, and you guys are really right. strong. Uh, but I feel like you guys have played really good defense, and nobody talks about it this year because you guys lead the country yeah. in three-pointers made. So you have set kind of a bar with your efficiency on offense over the years, and I'm assuming you're pretty prideful in what you guys do on the offensive end. So what are you more proud of here in 2019-2020, your, your offensive efficiency and how clean you guys have been on that end because the turnovers are way down as well? And, or what you've been able to do on the defensive side? I, I think what we've done on the defensive side, I think these guys have, have really understood and have really grown this year, Brent. When, they, when, they, when they've learned that stops lead to our incredible guys to have whatever offense we want to have. And so I think they've really – if you look at our numbers over the last six games we just won in a row, we're, we're one of the best defensive teams in the league. And, and it happened last year when we went on that seven-game winning streak as well, too. Now, this year we were able to cover some stuff up, almost like put a little lipstick on it because we were able to score so well. This year, like you said, less turnovers that we were able to win some games where we didn't quite defend as well. But, yes, you're 100% accurate. What we've done defensively has led to this freewheeling uh, offense that we run. And, and really, if you think about it, Brent, you know, people always say to us, well, you know, you shoot threes, you shoot threes, you shoot threes. Yeah, we do. Like, the other day, we were 22 from 32 from the two. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is like we don't get layups and dunks either. You know, we that, that's all we want to do is get layups and dunks and wide-open threes. And then sometimes we like when Gary and JT take tough threes because they can make them. But, <laughs> but yes, we're really, proud of, we're really proud of our DER. And the other thing, too, Brent, in my 11 years here, the regular season champion, except for one time, has been top three in DER, defensive efficiency rating. And that was the year our offense was like it was this year. It was an outlier the year Bo was a senior, and we won the regular season championship. So there's something to be said for that statistic, and it's a better statistic. I'll tell you why it's a better statistic, too, guys, is because sometimes you look at the stats and you're like, oh, man, they shot 46%. But if you cause 22 turnovers, your defensive efficiency is through the roof. Yeah. Yep. So they don't get shot. So they don't score points per possession. So I think sometimes – it's, 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 it, 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 to me, it's the best statistic there is out there to know whether a team can guard or not. What are you guys right now? DER, I don't have those stats in front of me. We are we are point nine. I want to say point nine eight five in the league. So where does that put you? Uh, oh, uh, fourth. And, and, and here's what's crazy about what you just asked is I don't go by overall because I can't count Florida, Florida State. Cra- it's just Absolutely. not fair. Yeah, your, your numbers so are I skewed. Do, yeah. Yes. Well, what I do is I, I, well, I do the league mainly, but I just do all all all, all one bid league guys. Okay. I look at our numbers versus one bid league guys because I mean that's apples to apples. Absolutely. I mean I can't I can't tell the guys I'm pissed off at them, and next thing you know we're, we're playing two top fifteens and three top fives. I mean that don't make sense. Absolutely. And by the way, by the way, there were twenty some thousand in Syracuse too. Yeah, there were else <laughs> of an atmosphere. Hey, you've got about uh, forty five seconds God, to go man, start the film. Later. So uh, oh, get in there. Yeah. Thanks for hanging with us. Appreciate it. Hey, listen, I appreciate y'all. I appreciate what you guys do for us. And uh, we'll be back on Saturday night at 5 o'clock at home, senior night. This senior group almost scored about 6,000 points. So it's senior night, 5 o'clock in Lipscomb on Saturday night. So 
We'll see you right back after we get out of Lynchburg. All right. Good luck, man. Appreciate it. We'll be watching tomorrow night. That's Matthew Driscoll, uh, UNF men's basketball coach. Uh, they have a huge one tomorrow. There's a watch party, I think, over at uh, BW3's, Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, at the town center for that one tomorrow around 6.30, 7 o'clock. And he's right. This senior class has been special. Good bunch of kids, too. I mean, that's one thing. That, that program, it's good program. Good uh, good kids to be around and, and uh, really good basketball players. You know, he kind of hinted at it. But to have 18 wins for them overall with the schedule they play early on, pretty remarkable. Yeah. Uh, they have done a great job. They're a fun team to watch. Hopefully they get it done tomorrow at Liberty. Liberty's a really good team. Uh, UNF got them the first time around here at home. We'll see if they can get it done on the road and uh, really take command in the A-Sun to get that uh, number one overall seed in a regular season conference championship. All right, we talk a little football when we come back. After Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. You know, I had a long day on Sunday. I think I did 45 minutes on camera, and then I did the press conference. I have to say I made one mistake during that long day. That was in an effort to make a rhetorical point. I referred to the World Series trophy in a disrespectful way, and I want to apologize for that. There's no excuse for it. Um, I made a mistake. I was trying to make a point, but I should have made it in a more effective way. And again, I want to apologize for it. Nicely done, Coop. Explain that. What, what, what do you mean? Explain Career what just happened there so people know people what you're know. talking about. Well, people, so the, you assume people were listening a half hour ago. Oh, okay. I'm people sorry. People get in and out of man their cars. Fred, okay. <laughs> man, okay. I'm sorry. So th- that was Manfred. Man well, I don't even know. That's called Manfred. I didn't call him Bob. That's called like Roger. Like Roger Goodell. I just call him Goodell. All right. But that, Raj. So th- that's Raj Manfred, uh, the commissioner of MLB. <laughs> um, kind of going back on his words a little bit, or at least going back on something that he said where he referred to the you know the the title as was it to say quote was it a silver shiny thing I think was it exact verbiage piece or of metal a piece of metal okay I'm sorry a piece of metal he and didn't even uh, do it just to, he wouldn't even give it the shiny part no it was just a, a piece of metal <laughs> that he referred the you know the title to and obviously that kind of rubbed people the wrong way a little bit and let's be honest the way he's been handling this whole ordeal right now um, has not been a good look for him so there you go. When you do that stuff, you get curb your enthusiasm in the background. Did uh, you think that worked? Was that effective? Nice yeah. job, Coos. I think so. Is that what you had in mind? Did, do you watch Kirby? You probably don't no. watch Kirby Enthusiasm. So you know, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was nicely done, Coos. So that, that worked. It. It yeah. Nailed. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm having a hard time getting a feel whether that – although he suggested it, I didn't know if that's what he was really getting at. Hey, that's exactly what I wanted. Coos, you delivered, man. Nicely done. All right. Uh, I think we have a caller who wants to talk some Jags. Let's do it. I'm – should should we hesitate talking Jags this time of year? Well, we were going to talk about them eventually. Here. Okay, fine, we'll do it. That's uh, <laughs> Joey. Uh, Joey, hey, how you doing? Uh, I know you want to talk a little bit about the Jags action sports. Jags on ESPN six ninety. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, <clears throat> I got a real real question, and I got a real real problem with fans. Um, I have been talking to the uh, Jaguar fans, and I have this big Jaguar group on here on Facebook and on Instagram. And people are being really cold-hearted and being mean to me. And they're saying that Mr. Khan is talking about selling the Jaguar team. All right. Thanks, Joey. Appreciate the call. Um, I don't think there's any hint of uh, Shad Khan selling the team. Uh, but uh, people may think that. And there has been narratives of, of moving the team and all those things from the outside world for a long time. I think we've made it crystal clear here on this show that even a second home game in London 
Uh, I've told you many a times that anything I can find and everyone I talk to, there is no hint of any of that. This is, in fact, the more and more I've dug on this in the last couple of weeks, there is no way a team is going to London. They're going to London. Um, and they want to try to make it work in Jacksonville. That's, uh, that's been, well, not only what I've been told, but what I've found. It's not just people spinning it. It's uh, reality. And I think there are other measures of what Shad Khan has done, uh, even though the fans right now are not happy with ownership in the Jacksonville Jaguars and taking a second home game. That also illustrates that he wants to make it work in Jacksonville. But there's a lot of things that probably have to happen between now and whenever. Uh, there are critical times coming up, I think, uh, in this organization, in this city, and some of the moves they make uh, to make it work the way the NFL wants to make it work. Not to make money, yeah. but to make it work the way the NFL wants to make yeah, it Yeah, listen, we've established that Shad Khan loves to make money, right? But he's also spent a lot of money. And you don't spend that much money on the new scoreboards, on the pools and things like that. You try to get Lot J taken care of, and you try to add it downtown. You don't do all those things if you don't plan on keeping Jacksonville and the Jaguars here in the city. So I'm sorry, you know, people are ragging on you, but I think the Jacksonville Jaguars will be staying here in Jacksonville. Yeah, sometimes you got to be a little careful on that social media. Oh, I know. People might. A lot lot of emotional people out there. We get that, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So be a little careful. But uh, take it with a grain of salt. Yes, sir. Just listen to what we have to say. Yeah. Don't worry about them. Listen to what we have to say. Oh, I can't wait to what Brent's got to say after the break. Corporate shill, Brent Martineau saying why the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't even close to the worst franchise right now in the NFL. No, not yet. Not yet. Yes. Okay. Very good tease, I can't wait though. to spin this one. Very good tease. Next on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Once you get the knock, you forget about all of that. I mean, it was it was just that. It was uh, the frustration left, uh, the, the, the disappointment. Didn't remember it, but just having the knock, man, and just knowing that, um, you know, people have decided to uh, really, really just push your greatness or just see everything that you've done on the field and your body of work. Uh, it was honor uh, being enshrined in, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, man. I was just super excited. Well, that's Isaac Bruce, fantastic wide receiver. He'll be going to Canton, class of 2020. You know, what's interesting about the Hall of Fame class, the way they do it, I guess the way it's done in a lot of sports, especially if you've been – in it for a few years, and now Tony Vaselli obviously has been in it for a while and knocked uh, close knocking that door down, not the knock on the door yet. But it does build a level of angst involved. You know, it's it's weird. It's like if you get if if you're being grouped into being great, mm-hmm. right? That's a heck of a compliment. That's like sure. an unbelievable accolade. And if people are telling you you're great and you're all this stuff, but you don't actually get in the the hall and the door of where you need to go to immortalize that greatness, yeah. the competitive side of you, all those things, you know, like if, if I don't, if I put my name in to win an Emmy Award and I don't win it. I think Brent's trying to give us a hint here. Nah, I mean, we sometimes submit stuff TV wise, yeah, right? Like yeah. uh, well, it's a Morrow Award or an Emmy Award I or an you. AP Award. Mm-hmm. And so we don't. But we don't win it. It's like, ah, nah, I didn't win. Yeah. What else? It's kind of like how we felt for, I forgot what paper or magazine it was, like for like the best oh, sports. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, we didn't win, but we were all right. right? We, I wasn't bummed. Yeah, I don't think I had a bad day the next day. It was fine. <laughs> for sure. So You didn't sob in the corner and cry. So like, you're, you're like, okay, I think this might be pretty good, but eh, it's not good enough. Oh, wait. Well, this is different. This is different because you've been built up, built up, built up. You feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm so close to this. 
and you don't get it. And I think Isaac Bruce kind of summed it up a little bit. He's like, man, this that disappointment, that disappointment. It's just interesting to hear the word disappointment associated with something that is trying to acknowledge you for being great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a kind of a weird thing. It's different. And I think some of that is there's a greatness in a fun nature, a dramatic nature, uh, an entertaining nature of how they present the inductees for each annual class for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the knock on the door. But that other side of it, the phone call, instead of the knock, adds angst and almost disappointment and and probably to some anger. We yeah. saw Drew Pearson, right, mm-hmm. uh, and the way he responded. So just interesting. You know, it's a, it's a weird deal and, and probably tough to compartmentalize. And I think we've even seen that with Tony Baselli. Like we've seen him kind of compartmentalize it. Been there now for the last handful of years during this. Mm-hmm. And like no doubt he was in a better state of mind this year than others. And not to say he's ever really been in a terrible one. He's always handled it pretty well. But I could sense like he was way more at peace, even yeah. though he probably thought this was a better chance than any of the years prior. You know, and I've said it before, Brent. I just I don't like the the whole process of going about it, right? Like I don't like them making the candidates like wait in the room and then do you get a knock? Do you get a phone call? Let's wait and see the reaction. Like I understand you want to give the all access and all that stuff, right? Because it's cool to watch, it's cool to talk about, especially if you win, it's cool to share. But like I just I don't need that, man. Like for for me being a you know a diehard football fan, I don't need to see the dejection if a guy doesn't get in. Just tell me, did he get in? Yes or no? Just give him a phone call. You're in? Yeah, cool. All right, congratulations. Oh, sorry, man. Thinking this year, maybe next year. And that's it. But, like, they want to make it such a big spectacle, like, with every award, um, regardless of the sport now. It's just, I, I just can't co-sign on it, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, anyway, that was Isaac Bruce. All right, let's get to some of the, uh, uh my attempt to be a corporate shill, I guess is what <laughs> yes, you said. Yes, that's right. Uh, for the, for the Jags. This is to tell you that the Jags, I don't think, are 32nd. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I want to see what kind of car you pulled up in. Quick starts your old truck. And- <laughs> not like. Not a Jaguar? Uh, there's, a, there's a Tesla in the parking lot. That's new. Not sure who that's from. Oh, that's What's my up? new car. Oh, I see you, Coos. All right. My man. All right. So this is what got me thinking about it. The combination of Teddy Bridgewater asking for $30 million or whatever it might be. Dak Prescott. Amari Cooper. Uh, I think there was a – I was watching some show today, I think, on ESPN. They were like, hey, what if the Eagles try to go after Amari Cooper if the Cowboys don't re-sign him? Well, they got to kind of re-sign him. They gave up a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. So they're in a tough spot, yeah. much like the Rams are in a tough spot with the Ramsey deal. They give up two first-round picks and a fourth. When Cooper's turned that whole offense around, don't forget either. And if but. you're going to sign Dak, you got to give him something, mm-hmm. right? Sure. So there are teams that have a much more difficult decision potentially to make. Or some ground to make up than even the Jaguars have maybe with Yannick and Gakwe of all, of all situations. Or do they bring back Calais Campbell? Or what do they do with AJ Boye? Or, and Jags have some tough decisions to make. Now they have cap space to clear. They have some fan favorites that are not guaranteed to be here. And they've got already a litany of things that are adding up to a mountain of things that haven't gone well in the last six or eight months or even longer. But, the Rams make you really think about, wow, like you could be actually worse. Did you see this? I, re- I retweeted it today. In one month, Jared Goff will be paid his $21 million roster bonus for 2020. In addition, his $25 million 2021 salary, $2.5 million 2021 roster bonus, and $15.5 million 2022 roster bonus all become fully guaranteed. 
I, if I had that up, that's a lot of money. His dead cap figure will rise to $94 million. Wow. So <laughs> for the next couple, I mean, that is for a lot. You know, we say this a lot, like these deals that can be you, you're out of them in two years. You know, the Jags are getting a lot of heat for the last two quarterback deals. Mm-hmm. Well, they should get a lot more heat. We always say, I think, for the decisions to go that route that didn't pan out more so than the actual contracts. Uh, yeah. Did they overpay for Blake Bortles because there wasn't a huge market? Yes. But if you look at the dollars attached to the QB position for Bortles, again, we're talking about it would have been 17th, 18th, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was more the belief in Bortles than the dollars in Bortles at the time. Now, once it didn't work out, well, you're stuck with six and a half million dollars and all this dead money. Well, then it was bad financially, too. Nick Foles, you know what? For a Super Bowl winning guy, 30 year old quarterback, a guy that you thought could help you and upgrade your quarterback position to pay him what you paid him last year probably wasn't the worst contract ever. Now that it doesn't look like it's working out, you might go in a different direction. It looks like it's the worst contract ever. So this, though, the the Rams are in a similar situation, and this one carries on for a few years. I mean, they had obviously put all their eggs into Jared Goff and said, this is our guy for the next not only handful of years, but hopefully 10, 12 years. Sure. Well, if he's not, they have made a huge blunder mm-hmm. uh, because that's what you do when you're paying quarterbacks these days. They also have to fix the Ramsey thing in some way, shape, or form. And that might not be contentious, even though we're rooting for it to be contentious. But they have to sign him mm-hmm. to almost whatever he wants. They already have Aaron Donald. They signed. Uh, they've got issues. Uh, you know. And then the team that does sign Teddy Bridgewater, the team that might sign Ryan Tannehill – all these big question marks, these are bigger dollars. Heck, the Cowboys might sign Dak Prescott to a big deal. Is he worth $35 million? Well, the rate is $35 million or $33 million. So it's the way the market is. But is he worth and does that handicap you for a long time? The answer is yes. The bottom line is here, what I'm trying to say, is when you make these decisions at the rate these guys are now getting paid, they are big mistakes. And they are costly mistakes for years to come, or at least that one year, especially if the guy doesn't work out right away. And that's what happened with the Jags. Bortles didn't work out right away. Foles doesn't appear to be working out right away. And therefore, the Jags have been stuck in a not-so-great spot financially. Uh, But they're not alone, I guess is what I'm getting at. There's a lot of teams that are about to make this dive and might not be in great shape. You know, and, and this is why... To me, you have to be so adamant about if you have a feeling on a guy, then lock him up. Now, obviously, the, the whole Jared Goff thing, we'll see how that plays out. You tell me that right now with the, the Jared Goff contract, hey, ish, okay, big time ish, because is he more of a system guy? Can he really be the, the an, an all-pro caliber starting quarterback in this league? I haven't seen it yet. All right, I mean, I get it. He took his team to the Super Bowl. That says something. But once again, once teams get hit to the game, once teams start to figure out McVay a little bit, what is Jared Goff made of? This I think this up and coming year will be telling. But it's how the market works, Brent. Yesterday we had Jason Fitz on the show. Mm-hmm. He talks about Clowney getting possibly twenty five million dollars a year for a defensive end. You know how many sacks Clowney had last year? I think you're gonna tell me six. Three. Three. Can I pay twenty five million dollars to a guy that had three sacks last year? Can I pay twenty five million dollars to a guy that's never had over ten sacks? Man, 
It's hard, you know, like, but that's the way the market works. But the cap says, like, those dollar signs for these big positions are going up, 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 up. Correct. Yeah, I'm not sure the salary cap is keeping up it's with not keeping the percentage. Up with it. yeah. It's up like 13 million, I think it's going to be this year. Yeah. But shoot, man, I mean, that's 13 million. If you're increasing the pay, like the annual rate of increase for a quarterback yeah. setting the market is, is way more than whatever that. 13 million increases. Yeah. So, uh, listen, if you want to compare the Jacksonville Jaguars to other teams around the league, yes, obviously, from the optics standpoint, it wasn't a great season last year, and, and people are still talking about that, right? The two games in London, it's not a good thing. But as far as the roster is concerned, as far as the personnel is concerned, well, is it that big a deal? It can be yes and no, because we still don't know if Boy is going to stick around. We don't know if Clayus Campbell is going to stick around, and we're not really sure on Yan yet either. So, say you lose Boye, Campbell, and Yan. Three guys in that defense. Who's essentially the leader now, especially in the defensive line? I mean, would it be Avery Jones, I guess, would be the, the leader? Is Josh Allen ready to be a captain and step up that leadership role in, in only a second year? Possibly. You like to say Miles Jack, but. Yeah. So you just, you know, I mean, from that standpoint, it's kind of bad news. I get that you got rid of Coughlin, so, like, the optics of that, th- those things are gone. Now, hopefully the culture will be better. But if you want to make arguments for what teams have it worse, to me, and a team that no one's really even still talking about, is the Washington Redskins and Trent Williams. For whatever reason, people wanted to go on and on and on about Grievance Gate, you know, with Tom Coughlin and everything. What about Trent Williams? Is Trent Williams going to ever play football again? This guy's a seven-time Pro Bowler. One of the best left tackles in the entire NFL didn't want to play because he felt like the, the training staff, the medical staff, did him dirty. Said that he was fine, he should play. Ends up having, you know, some kind of precancerous lump on his forehead, and he flipped out, and rightfully so. So from that perspective, the fact that no one's wondering, well, what's Trent Williams going to do? What's going to happen with that training staff? What is Ron Rivera going to do, man? Like, to me... That's a worse situation even than the Jacksonville Jaguars are finding themselves right now without Tom Coughlin. Yeah, listen, this wasn't a quest to say, hey, hey, raise your pom-poms. The Jags are not the worst team in the league. I mean, it really wasn't. Yeah, the grass is always greener. Yeah, But it got me thinking today of just like, man, I mean, these teams, with the amount of dollars invested in some of these positions, you are a bad move away from handicapping yourself for a long – for at least a couple years, mm-hmm. and and at least that year and the next one is what I would say if it doesn't work out because of some of these monumental salaries. See, baseball's not like that. You can go screw up or, or and pay thirty million to a guy. Uh, the Red Sox could give Chris Sale a hundred million dollars and David Price whatever he did, and even if one ended up on the DL, they could just go trade for another guy at the trade deadline. It's okay if they want to deal with that. You can't do that in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It handicaps you at such a high rate especially if you're giving these guys that amount of money, which makes me almost wonder when it's time to give people money. What's, you know, like we talk about this in, in the draft is the, the, the bustability is huge sure. in, in the first round of the draft, right? You can be so good. Let's say the top 10 picks can be so good of a player <clears throat> or so bad. And, and you missed and you, you just hurt yourself for a while because you had a chance to get a great player and you didn't, you made the wrong decision. I, if it's 50, 50 on quarterbacks, say, in the draft, what is it on paying guys versus letting them walk hmm. in the NFL? Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, like, I, I, I get what you're do saying. Do you hit the home run if you let them, or if you let them walk, do you win more often? Or do, if you pay them, do you win more often? Listen, and, and I was the guy that said when they paid Russell Wilson, man, good luck with that because now you're, you're making him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. How are you going to make the other roster spots work? Well, they somehow got clowny. They somehow had a pretty good run this year and everything like that. So, 
I think it can work both ways. You know, because we, we talk about the highest paid guy, it's always the quarterback, usually, right? Like sometimes defensive, tackle, whatever it is. But the quarterback's the spot that you got to focus on. Like, for instance, Patrick Mahomes coming up. Eventually, he will probably be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. But why do I believe, even though he gets that big new contract, that somehow Andy Reid and that whole organization, that culture, is going to set it up where they're going to be just fine, even though he's the highest paid quarterback in the NFL? You know, like, it's just some teams, Brent, I don't some... know, as Green Bay, as Aaron Rodgers, well, I mean... I, I mean, I, I hear you, man, but, like, I just think some teams and some cultures have it so figured out that it's not... Look, for instance, the Ravens. Let go probably the best middle linebacker in the NFL in C.J. Mosley. Yep. Baltimore fans were kind of a little ticked yeah, off, right? Because, a great example. Dude, he, he was the heart and soul of that defense, yeah. right? And Baltimore has always been considered, you know, that tough, tenacious defense. You let go of the captain of that defense, let him go to New, uh, to New York, and I get it, man. For as much as he was asking for... I mean, we'll see you later. Well, let's like, go to the other linebacker, too, to Tennessee. Exactly. I think so, it was the linebacker. Yeah, well, you let it go to him, and then Preston Smith goes to the Packers. So you lose a, a lot of those key cogs you know, on your defense. Well, did they miss him this year? I think they were just fine. I think the Ravens had a pretty dang good season. And, and I guess so, that's my point. You know, it, So I'm not advocating for them to let Jan walk. Yeah. But is it reasonable to think as an organization, <clears throat> do we pay a guy $120 million over five years or whatever, or let them walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that so, certain and teams... And try to draft again. I just think that certain teams have it set up where they're always going to succeed. For instance, just like the Seahawks. I think that's the key. That's maybe the difference between the Jags and these other teams you're mentioning, right? Is the depth of the culture as an organization. And maybe it's just because the Jags are only 25 years old and they haven't had a chance to develop it yet. Who knows what the actual answer is. But you're. Ex- I think you're exactly right. I don't know that the Jags can afford to let Jan walk at this point in time. Because they don't have that pipeline, that culture, that thing, that whatever that is that these other franchises seem to always have. Well, that other thing is quarterback. Well, that's but one thing. There's a lot more to it, Brent. It's more than that. It really is. Every example you're giving me has a quarterback. That's Br- true. But I'm just saying, man, you, you mean to tell me that you pay Russell Wilson to be the top quarterback in the NFL? You lose your top three running backs. You sign Marshawn Lynch off the streets. You lose two of your tight ends. You got a guy by the name of Hollister, who I never heard before, taking first team reps. And you mean to tell me that it was just going to work out because it's Seattle? Dude, like, that's the culture. Like, they play great defense still. I mean, okay defense. Not, I wouldn't say great. But just the team environment, man. It doesn't matter. It seems like who they have at wide receiver. It doesn't matter if they have a beat up offensive line or a running back who's on the streets, you know, for the past two years. They're going to find a way to be successful. But and that's what the culture does. But Brent. their culture has been created by a quarterback who's now been there seven years. And yes, Pete Carroll and Seattle and the rest of them deserve that. But the quarterback eventually helps create that culture. Tom Brady, just well, as much as Bill Belichick and the Patriots, has helped create a culture well, in there. But the Baltimore, the, example, Titans. the Baltimore example is really a good one, I think. They didn't have a I mean, Flacco wasn't a great quarterback. They no. had a culture around Flacco that allowed him to be good, and they got a, they got rid of two of the key cogs to what you would say the culture was, mm-hmm. and they they still they survived. They even got so better. It goes even deeper than just a couple of individuals who you would even say are the key parts to that culture. And, then, so, and this is a culture, Brent, who drafted tight end after tight end after tight end. Two tight ends in one draft class. You know, and the top, like, I think top three or first round picks or whatever were tight ends. Like, that's what Baltimore does, man. Like, the, the, they establish what they want to do. It doesn't matter what the experts say. We're going to do it our way. And guess what? It panned out for them. Yeah. Uh, I, I, get, I understand what you guys are saying. Mm-hmm. I, I do understand what you're saying. Yeah. I, I just don't. Listen, if Lamar Jackson flopped this year, you're not selling me on culture of the Baltimore Ravens. You've got a you've got a fine point because it does seem to co- coincide with 
good quarterback because quarterback play, play covers stuff up. Absolutely, it does. How, Russell how Wilson is coming up for a bad offensive oh line for Russell a Wilson, couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Right. He, he helped them re. We Without had this question. discussion. Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger helped Pittsburgh reset their entire team when they lost to Palabalus and 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 those kind of guys over the years. Russell Wilson, you just watched it happen. They reset the entire team, the whole entire but, roster from Legion of Boom and, and everybody and Marshawn Lynch and all those players to now. But, Brent, in Pittsburgh, though, you lost Big Ben. Okay, you lost him for the whole season. You lost, you know, Antonio Brown. You lost Smith Schuster for a majority of the season. You lost your starting tight end. And guess what, man? Pittsburgh went 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah, they went 8-8. Pittsburgh eight and eight. had a hell of a season. With, with, with no eight, eight and hell of a season, uh, doing okay. You know what? Same. I would say where they're at with what they had. I think they had a hell of a season. And, and you, well, you can quote me on it. Man. I would agree yeah. with you that they outperformed given what they lost. Okay, yeah, so yeah. that's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, they didn't go to the playoffs, so it was a but disappointment. You know, you by, Brent, by Brent's argument, you'd say if they had Brent, if they had Roethlisberger, they would have gone better than eight. And they would have been twelve. And they would have been twelve and four. But I'm so saying I'd okay. say you're both right. But I think I think there are exceptions to the. To the the point you're making is is a good one. If I can be the mediator in this, yes, if, I, if I can take the objective uh, role that I like to play. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, I think like the Baltimore example is a really good one that is the exception to what you're saying because I don't think Baltimore would uh, until obviously Lamar Jackson. They they didn't have great quarterback play, but they still were successful. But they thought about firing John Harbaugh recently. They did. They once, did when that gap existed. But, well, but but no, they, when Flacco they were successful, wasn't playing well, well, Flacco wasn't playing well. But Flacco, okay, I mean, but you, my, here you, you go. You Listen, can, yeah. I, I get the coach. I get what you're saying. But my point, well, what you said is Kansas City and the culture and everything. But bigger than the culture and what Andy Reid and what Kansas City will build in this great organization now, and because once you win a Super Bowl, you automatically become a great organization, <laughs> is Patrick Mahomes will hide whatever they do. If they don't re-sign Chris Jones because they can't afford him or that gets messy, eh, don't worry. Patrick Mahomes got this. But that's the difference because you've got a guy you can afford, and maybe and to your this is exactly your point, right? You can afford to pay a truly great quarterback whatever he demands because he masks all these other problems. It does. The problem lies when you overpay a quarterback who is not truly great. See Bortles, see Foles, and you're not getting that in return. You're not getting the guy who can cover. You're paying Cousins, but he's not necessarily covering for when you're whatever. Yeah, and Minch, that's why. Say Minshew becomes the guy. And it, or if Bortles had been the guy, or if Foles had been the guy, whatever. Just name who. I think Bortles is a better example because he had been here for a bit. Mm-hmm. And so if he had been the guy, Telvin Smith retiring at the start of the year, don't worry about it. I got this. I'm Blake Bortles, who's been now here seven years, and I'm putting up <clears throat> numbers, and I've evolved into a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's the case. Well, instead, you're stuck with a new quarterback situation, one that doesn't work out because you're keeping your fingers crossed that it does work out, and you're paying a lot of money. And it's and now spiraling and Telvin spiraling. Smith not being there and whoever else not being there. Yeah. Oh, now these things are huge. Mm. They're just they're big. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess that's why people do pay that much for the QB spot. But what I, I, to really f- pull this full circle is teams are about to find themselves in that situation. Because do I think Ryan Tannehill is worth paying $25 million a year to? No. And so Tennessee might find themselves in a tough situation. Teddy Bridgewater wants $30 million a year. Should he get it? Well, go find out, Tampa, or somebody else and see. Mm-hmm. But he might not be worth it. That's a big risk, and that mm-hmm. will set you back. Dak Prescott, you know what? You outperformed where you were drafted. You've played well. 
but are you Russell Wilson kind of quarterback? Are you Aaron Rodgers? Are you Patrick Mahomes? I don't know. See, we'll to, figure it out. Well, to me, Dak's a little different though, because Dak came up with the Cowboys. Okay, Dak was Dak essentially is like kind of Garner Minshew, right? Like where you drafted him late, no one really gave him a chance. But guess what, man? Yeah. Ever since Tony Romo went down, he's a good comp. To yeah, that. The yeah. quarterback position hasn't been a problem in Dallas. So you may have to inflate those numbers a little bit from Price just because of what transpired since he was a rookie. Yeah, and it's like even uh, Jack Stan says consistently hitting in the draft is how you make it work. You're right. Hitting and keeping your guys, I think. Well, but my point being, Baltimore just let three linebackers walk you got out and hit, hit the on. One, you got to <laughs> no, hit with the one that no. matters the most, and that's what you're saying. you yes. got to hit on a quarterback, and if you truly hit on him, you can afford to pay him whatever you need to pay him to keep him around because you can mask other deficiencies that are going to come up See, when you can't pay him. The only argument, Draft though. Replace. Draft and replace. The, the is only, that the new thing? The only argument, though, is Aaron Rodgers is probably, the, you know, for the past decades, probably been the best quarterback, yeah. if not the top three best quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, but How the Packers have been have? the Packer one. He's yeah. got one more than the Jags do, well, and sure. one more than the Vikings do, for the record. And sure. and they're they're relevant. They 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 their bad year is you know and one and done in the playoffs or, or whatever. Yeah. I, I I think most fans in Jacksonville would love to be relevant every year. I got you. And that's I think that's what I'm saying anyway. I, I, I'm i waffling, but it listen, sounds like, listen, which I usually do. There's pieces of it all. <laughs> there's pieces, but, well, the reason why there's not one concrete blanket answer. Of course not. But it just, it we're, we're in a free agency, and again, we won't know the answer to this for a while. But these guys that are, listen, if we're being honest, Right now, their resumes say they're pretty mediocre mm. in these quarterbacks. The and ones we have? To get, but no, not the ones we have, oh. but just the ones in free agency. Maybe yeah. the ones we have, too. Well, but yeah. the foals of the world, well, all those people, yeah. they're mediocre. They're not all these, but they're gambling on them being that guy. And mm. it's almost better. Do you gamble on that guy for 30-something million, or do you just go gamble on another guy in the draft is a fair question. Well, and in closing, man, I brought up Baltimore Ravens. And to make your point for you, man, you could argue that, well, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. What happened after that? He, he got a big-time contract. That's now, right. I think if you're the Ravens, though, you had to pay him. Like, how, how, how could you not? You're stuck sometimes. You know, like, sometimes you're stuck well, with that. Well, that's what the argument like, you know, was. I mean, they the were Jags stuck with Jared Goff. When the yeah, Bortles, but, Bortles got him to the AFC Championship, they had to pay him. But, but see, here's what I say, though. I think if Ryan Tannehill takes his team to the Super Bowl, yeah. you pay him. You, you have to yeah. pay him. Ryan Tannehill, you know, falters in the AFC Championship game. Well, I think if they don't, it's, it's because they've studied the Jags and seen what Same happened with, with Joe the Jags. Flacco. Same thing with Joe Flacco. It can be the difference in that one game, but you have to make that tough decision. Mm-hmm. Much as they have to do with a guy that we all love and adore is Calais Campbell. Do you have to make the tough decision to say, hmm, $15 million? Well, maybe he'll be do willing to, to gamble rework right? his deal. I mean, listen, you know where I stand on it. Yeah, I don't have to make that decision. Yeah. I get to say, keep them. I don't know what the Jags are going to do, but it, I mean, it seems to me that if you're a smart negotiator for the Jags and if you're a smart negotiator for Calais, you might be able to say, hey, look, we, we're we all being honest. You, you, we can't pay you what you might think you're worth. You could go somewhere else and get that for a year or two, or you could stay here, give us a hometown discount, and by the way, afterwards, you're going to be part of this organization for years to come, and you're going to make more money out of this deal in the long run than you would if you went somewhere else for a short term where nobody really knows you, nobody really cares, and you're not the, uh, you know, was it Walter Payton Man of the Year award winner in Jacksonville for the rest of your life. Now, that's interesting. But that's where I will come back and give you guys a little nod and say, do the Jags, have they established enough of a culture, which and I would then equate to the word trust, for a guy to say yes to that? And I would say no. 
Uh, first of all, I'd never mention hometown discount in a, a negotiation. But, um, but seriously, do they, yeah. do, is there enough trust and adoration but, for but, this organization well, from player point of I view, even yeah. Calais? I would agree with to you. Say, and I don't but know if you're, if, a, if you're a, real, a smart sure agent, couldn't you get that in the contract? Say, all right, we're going to do this, this for X amount of dollars this year and X amount of dollars next year. And then upon retirement, we will make X amount of dollars as consultant, as insert role here. Can you do yeah. that? I don't I mean, I mean, you can do that, but maybe you... I get your point. By the way, your saying. point, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know what you can and can't do. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. that's enough money, by the way, even yeah. to make somebody yeah. happy. You're talking about millions to play the game. I don't know how much you can make as a consultant. But, uh, <laughs> well, you, well, you can make a lot if, if it's not a salary cap. The Jags could afford to pay him $10 million to do very little if it's not against the cap. But listen, to prove Brent's point, though, with Calais Campbell, listen, if you were to restructure that contract or take a pay cut, you're essentially taking a leap of faith and saying, you know what, I trust you guys. I, I've mm-hmm. been here for a while, and I trust you guys. I'm going to do this for you. Kind of like Marcel Darius did. And I think Marcel Darius took his, you know, he restructured his deal because he's a big Doug Marone fan, yeah. right? They yeah. worked together Marone. in the past, and they trusted Marone, okay? With Calais Campbell, listen, I, I don't know Calais Campbell personally. I've talked to him a couple times, and I know he loves the game of football. Right. And just everything that's transpired this this past season here, it's hard to believe that a player would just, regardless of who it is and how good of a guy he is, he would just take that pay cut and say, you know what, I'm going to trust in this process. I'm going to trust what's going on. I totally agree with you. And, and and if you're being a smart business person, there should be no trust ever, really. Mm-hmm. So I'm not suggesting that there's a level of trust. I'm I'm suggesting as a business person, you get it in writing. It's something on the contract that says. I'll give you, you know, my services for maybe three grand, three million less a year that I could maybe go get on the open market, and then in turn you're gonna pay me that three million plus another million or whatever it might be for a couple of years as to, to basically be an ambassador. To, to basically, well, it's a good, it's a in that way, it's a win-win because you've gotten a longer-term deal. If you're a football player, you know your shelf life is coming. You know you're going to be done sooner than later and now you have something lined up for the future that probably benefits everybody yeah i don't i want to say i think either the miami dolphins tried to do something like that and maybe with Dan can't Marino. do that. i don't know i want to say try to and if i remember be... the story or maybe they did either they did or tried to i can't remember where it is uh, in that regard all right uh by the way been listening to a uh, john bachman jump in on the situation the man that skews the uh uh, uh the pie chart <laughs> here in this building <laughs> I'm not sure I know what that means. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know where Brent's what going with exactly? that. Yeah. We're just oh, talking about high salaries. Oh. <laughs> oh. 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 In that case, is it oh. truck out there? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I, it's probably not him. <laughs> probably Barsh. <laughs> hey, Chief Met money is real the money QB there. The QB of uh, Action it. News Jack. That's it. The QB that's salary. It. Yeah, it might it. quietly be me. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you seen his truck? It's pretty nice. I've seen him, man. And don't mind me. I'm more like the, the, I'm probably like the water boy here of the, of the Action Sports Jacks <laughs> with, with my salary, man. But it's all good. Hey, we're all a team. We all get Super Bowl rings at the end of the day. We win that Super Bowl. So hey, it's man. all good. I'm part of the team, too. No worries. Just a piece of metal. Uh, <laughs> wow. Nice to say. What's up? What's coming up today? Hey. 525. 525. We, 5 o'clock on CBS 5 o'clock. I can't tell you exactly what's coming up away. at 525. I don't know the rundown that well, but I can tell you at 5 o'clock we have a lot of stuff going on. We have uh, we you know we had the remains found uh, yesterday up uh, on the north side of town at 295 and Main Street area, mm-hmm. and uh, they're trying to sort through 
they know where those remains originally came from because they brought they're doing some construction there so that the, the oh, dirt was brought them. in so they know where the dirt came from so now they're trying to go backwards and try to figure out you know obviously run some tests on the the remains to figure out who 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 it is mm-hmm. um so there's a mystery that they're trying to unravel there and um we've got uh, a great story out of Duval Schools. A teacher's aide uh, was in the right place at the right time with the right skills to save a student who was choking. <laughs> so that's a pretty cool story. Um, and here's one that I'll get you talking. This is not necessarily local, but it impacts everybody. Sleep and weight gain. You're into your uh, fitness and, and health. And naps. And, well, so that, yeah, naps are part of the sleep, right? The more sleep yes. you get. Yeah. Well, so apparently there's a study out that suggests that uh, when you're sleep deprived, you will eat more because hormones stimulate hunger when you're mm. sleep deprived. So hormones are released when you're tired. So, you know, maybe Brent, there is something to sleep in more. I'm just saying. You might want to. You might want to think about that when you go on your two night, two hours a night sleep that you do regularly. So, Brent, how's that coffee working out for you now? It's just fine. I'm going to go take a nap during this next commercial break. It's all good, man. Goddess. Appreciate uh, that, John. Yeah. Very, very thoughtful and intriguing. Intriguing. I, I look forward to catching up with tonight. Yes. yes. Five o'clock. CBS 47. Naps work wonders, Brent. I told John's you. John Bachman. Tanika Hughes. I told you. Mike Burrish. Do we need to get our own podcast acting. about music and, the, you know, just general napping? Music and, and health. And health. I love it, man. Music and, and health. And we combine them. Yeah, I'm sure nobody does that. <laughs> <laughs> you might have something there. That's a good point, Brent. That's a good point. All right. Maybe can jump I'll in on, like, you on Maybe you can jump in on, like, John Tesh's <laughs> podcast. Wow. Or <laughs> wow. Funny story. A new, news anchor I worked with in Raleigh, in North Carolina, was, was a roommate of John Tesh. Bill really? Wesley at WRAL. He's retired now, but he was a college roommate at North Carolina, University of North Carolina, with John Tesh. How about that? Yeah. That's a good story. I think tell. I met I like him it. at least once. He was in the building. I can't believe you just pulled out John Tesh out of nowhere. That's I'm proud of you, Brent. Yeah. That's good stuff. Has That's he put out an album recently? Uh, what's his story? <laughs> Come on, man. What's Come his on. story? Come on, John. Uh, all right. We're going to get him right. He did entertainment tonight, too. Yeah, he's been doing a lot of stuff. I don't yeah. yeah, I just I remember his, I, his hair kind of yeah, <laughs> pretty aggressive. His hair kind of it's, it's just he's got a, he's yeah. got an aggressive hairstyle. Right. An aggressive that. hairstyle. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for you stopping. Have in. you seen it? it I mean, not in years. I didn't think he had any hair left. Oh man. Save this for your podcast. All right. All right. All right. Oh. <laughs> right? I don't think that's a recent uh, picture. Action Sports uh, on ESPN six ninety rolls on. Talking sports, I think. And John touches hair. Yeah. Coming up, we cover it all. And you don't admit yourself that you did it. How you take the word from another player that he was doing. That's the hard part. You know, so like if you got caught with something on your body, you know, that to me definitely should be a a suspension and a huge fine. But to say that someone was using it, it's his word against his word. That's pretty that's pretty tough to to penalize a player. So I think it's really difficult. That's Joe Girardi talking about the Houston Astros scandal. It's interesting because a lot of players want punishment. That's a pretty good explanation without hard evidence of exactly who was in charge and who did. And and listen, Major League Baseball knows a heck of a lot more than we know about it. Yeah. But they also might be assumptions. And when you're talking about suspensions, you might have to be able to almost prove it in a court of law type of thing because there are appeals to those suspensions about what went down. It just can't seem to get away from the the Houston Astros scandal because now it's spreading into so many different facets 
We started off with how big of a deal is it? Is it bigger than even the steroid era? Mm -hmm. Is it bigger to cheat like with uh, performance enhancing drugs or knowing signals like in football and relative to other sports if you were to do it that way? Correct. Now it's on to players are really ticked off, like genuinely to, to the to the point where every day another player is coming out and saying something that sparks the, the debate, the controversy, reminds us of it, aimed at the players. I think that's what's so unique. This looked like an organizational thing at first. It now looks like a player thing, uh, which I think is pretty obvious, mm-hmm. but also the player angst more so than the Astros. You know, it's like, you know, when you hear stuff <clears throat> and you hear players talking, you're like, oh, the Astros, the Astros, Houston, Houston. No, it's players. Now, they don't even – sometimes it's El Tube or sometimes it's Correa or whatever it is, but it's mostly player-related, which is fascinating. Now, the other guy that's hiding a little bit of the Houston angst is the commissioner, Rob Manford. We talked about it a little bit earlier. LeBron James tweeted about it and said that he would be irate. Uh, and had some choice words if he knew somebody cheated like this and and potentially stole away mm-hmm. the ability to win a championship or at least winning a championship. Well, and once again, I want to see LeBron James in a batting cage first. Okay, <laughs> I want to see him hit that 70 mile per hour fastball, and then I want to see what we're talking about. I, my question is, should he be? Do you like that? Do you want yeah. players of his stature talking about other sports? Is it? Would you put it in stay in your lane? LeBron? No, no I, I mean, I wouldn't, Brent, because they're all professional athletes, right? Like, say that you saw something go down with another news station um, that wasn't necessarily in sports, but maybe a friend of yours, right? Or maybe someone that you know. You'd probably speak out against it, right? Because they're your peers. And even though you don't you know, do the same news coverage, you still respect them a lot. So I think from LeBron James' standpoint, and he was even That's adamant. Debatable. Okay. <laughs> well, as Brent told me the first day, is like, don't trust nobody in this business. <laughs> so maybe I should abide by that a little more. But listen, LeBron James came out and said that he, you know, he's not a baseball guy, and he, he was very adamant about that. He but did say that. He, at, he, at yeah, first, and, yeah, and he did acknowledge that. But I think just from sport to sport to sport, man, being a professional athlete, being on the top of your game like that, you can relate, okay? And I think if you can relate, whether it's basketball, football, or baseball, you're going to stick up for, you know, your your peers. And I think that's what LeBron James is doing here. What's interesting about it for me is, I told you earlier, I don't really care what LeBron says about it mm-hmm. right here. I, to me, it is like, it, it's hard to say it's apples and apples because what would you do in the sport of basketball to to kind of be comparable? Like you said well, football, right? If you knew what play was coming in football, that'd be different. Yeah. In basketball, eh, they run about four plays. Like, you know what plays are coming. Sure. Uh, you know, there, but, there are different sets and those yeah. kind of things. So it, it's hard to relate on what would be the actual advantage mm-hmm. uh, for in the NBA. You know, I have a hard, harder time doing that than I can with football, say, versus MLB. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, too, right, because LeBron James obviously that big character. And I think for the most part, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not sure how people are perceiving, you know, his message. I think a lot of people you said were kind of against him, right? For the most part, I don't think it's that big of a deal that LeBron well, James I, came I out and said it. I saw but, some of both. But, but once, I, once again, and, and I'll bring it up for a third time, take LeBron James to the batting cage and see what happens because it's funny. You know, a guy like Stephen A. Smith, right? Stephen A. Smith 
is not really. I mean, he was a former athlete, obviously, but he's not a professional athlete, right? But his his voice, people tune in to listen, right? And he comments on MMA. Now he says some things he probably shouldn't have said in the MMA game, and people got on him for it. But then Stephen A. Smith releases a video of him hitting mitts, and all of a sudden it's like, why is Stephen A. Smith even thinking about talking about MMA? Have you seen the guy throw a punch? What gives him the right to talk about MMA? Well, you said the same thing for LeBron James. If LeBron James can hit a fastball, if LeBron James can throw a baseball, then why should he say it? And I think once again, it just goes back to the fact that it's it's your peers, it's in the environment that you that you work in. That's why I've never tried to sack a quarterback. Or <laughs> <laughs> there's no video out there yeah, of that happening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> just don't let yet, it out there. Yeah, keep yet. the imagination. Yeah. <laughs> all right, of me trying to play football. Yeah, yeah. But I. I I don't want to be hypocritical here because, and although I've said this before, a lot of people ask Tiger Woods on a lot of issues as he was coming along and he was this worldwide global icon to jump in on conversations, whether it was social conversation, whether it was things like this, whatever it was, just Mm -hmm. conversations. He didn't. He didn't do a lot of that. I thought he got hammered, I think, unfairly to doing that. I don't think that was his job to do that. Now, if he wanted to do that, sure, you have a platform and a powerful voice. But yeah, you gotta want to do it. You gotta believe in it. You gotta have a passion to do it. I never minded that about that. Tiger obviously had his own issues. Mm. So for him to be speaking in hindsight now, wasn't it better that Tiger really didn't speak on a lot of other people's issues because everybody would have been calling him a hypocrite sure. uh, for some of the things I'm sure along the way. You know, Tim Tebow to a degree comments on things, but comments on things like he's passionate about. You know, that is close to him mm-hmm. and uses that platform. If LeBron James wants to use that platform to voice his opinion, which he has, by the way, on a lot of different issues, I, I think even some political. Yeah. And, you know, he's used to show he comments on it, Brent, but he also he's a man of action. Right. Like you talked yeah. about the, the, the barbershop show where he brings in people of all races, of, of all cultures, and they have the conversation to have which, the conversation, which is, which is an Start important dialogue. Part. Exactly. So he's also a man of action. So my, I guess my point is not necessarily to sit on the fence here. I've never been a big advocate either way uh, or never been a big uh, to criticize mm-hmm. these guys if they want to use their platforms. So I'm okay with LeBron. In my opinion, I don't care if LeBron's talking baseball. I don't really – it doesn't matter It doesn't move the me. needle for you, yeah. Uh, but if he wants to jump in, that's fine. I mean, you're not going to stop him. Freedom of speech to do it. Uh, and uh, I just do find this one at least a little bit more unrelatable. You know, I do yeah. think like you brought up when we had this conversation, you bringing up if I knew the call of the offense, how would that change how we play defense and how effective we would be? I was like, damn, oh, you're right. That mm-hmm. would make a big difference. You can't really tell me something in basketball That's that would, would do that, uh, you know, on the same level. I mean, you could find some things that would be egregious. I mean, they had the whole fixing games with yeah. the ref thing. But yeah. again, that's different. That's a different thing. Mm-hmm. So. This is unique to baseball in terms of an advantage. It can be used in other sports like football. I just don't find it in basketball. If you say, hey, I mean, in basketball, they almost do tell you, hey, we're about to do a pick and roll. Yeah. See if you can stop it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, about to say that's what they do. Yeah. So well, uh, it, it's interesting that he's getting a I, again, I don't think he's getting crushed. I just think it's an interesting conversation point. Should other guys in other sports be commenting? Well, Look on social media all the time. Other guys in other sports comment about other sports all the well, time. And, and you know what? And it comes down to passion, Brent. Okay? Because you, you said it yourself. You, you, you don't want to see a video of you trying to sack a quarterback. But guess what? I can attest for this firsthand. 
you know more about the Jaguars and football than a lot of people that I've ever come across with. Why? Because you're passionate about it. You do your homework. You've studied through it. You've come through it, you know, your entire life. Now, that's enough compliments that you're going to get for the day from me. Thank you're you. welcome. That was pretty but good. Like, Did we record that? That's <laughs> going to be a button. But, um, you know, like, and I to. Think- uh, once again, like to prove the Stephen A. Smith point, like everything's a butt. <laughs> to me, it is, yes, sir. Uh, but to prove the Stephen A. Smith point, I mean, this is a guy who doesn't really seem the super passionate about MMA, right? Like, sure, you, you can name drop a little bit, but people are going to call you out. See, it's not genuine to yeah. me, at least. But and if he talks to NBA, it feels more genuine. Exactly. So it's LeBron James. Listen, I don't know how passionate of a of a baseball fan LeBron James is. I haven't seen any, you know footage of him you know playing baseball so i think sometimes when you come across like that fans can kind of see through it it's with anything brent it's like with it's hollywood and the actors i don't get into politics but sometimes when actors come out and speak you know against you know something like poverty well yeah that's easy for you to say but are you truly passionate about it or you kind of go the status quo a little bit just saying that because it looks good so that's where you kind of have to find the line of is it genuine is it actually passionate or is it the status quo one final thought for me on it though i will say i think Part of the reason he said something is this whole collective players against power. Correct. You know, right? Yep. Because absolutely. his thing Talk was about less about pointed at the players of Houston, even though he acknowledges the cheating, he'd be irate. <clears throat> more toward the commissioner. But the guy sitting in the office. And what he's saying. Yeah. So I think it is more of a, hey, we're arm in arm on this across all sports. Mm-hmm. We need that guy policing our sport the right way. We mm-hmm. need him making the right decisions, saying the right things. And Rob Manford has really screwed up. And uh, and everybody would agree with that, at least over the last week or so. Uh, more to come. Back to football talk. Got a little balling and falling as well on the way. Plus, we give away some players' championship tickets and a $25 gift card to M Shack. That'll get you hanging around for the next hour on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back. 5 o'clock hour, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We will give away some players' championship tickets uh, this hour and a $25 gift card to M Shack as well. So that is on the way. Uh, not right now, but it's on the way in a little bit. Brent Martino, Austin Lane, Coos in studio. I did the numbers yesterday. 20 shows out of 32 here in 2020. We've been on the road. Road Warriors, man. Road Warriors. Gonna stop paying rent around here. Do you remember them from wrestling? Probably not. Uh, yeah, I do. Names? No. Oh, Hawk and Animal. Those are right, though. That's good. But I do remember. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have a long run, did they? Oh, Brent, yes, they did. Was uh, that a long run? I mean, it was my childhood. I feel like they did. Yeah. I, I mean, I can Google it. I think Google they Google it. Okay. I'll look it up. I don't feel like... No, listen, I'm far from a wrestling <laughs> I expert. I know. But that I, was in my wheelhouse. Okay. And I just don't remember them being around for a long time. Legion of Doom. Um... Years active, 1983, 2014. <coughs> <coughs> Wait a minute, I didn't ask you where they were born. <laughs> no, I, hey. They passed years, away in 2014? Years, no, years no. active. <laughs> years active, Brent. <coughs> what, what, wait a minute, what are they, in some well, Corpus Christi <laughs> wrestling ring in some fairgrounds right now? I mean, I mean possibly. <laughs> well, I believe... Hawk died um, back in like the early 2000s. Oh, so, so really did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, Hawk died, and then I think they they switched him out with somebody else. But like overall, I mean, yeah, they had a pretty long career. And, well, and, and you know, I think Animal. You know, no, well, even Hawk, his son. You know, who his son is Laronitis is the the former oh, middle yeah. linebacker from yeah. the St. Louis Rams. Yeah, yeah, Ohio exactly. State and the Rams. I think that's his dad. One of their yeah, something really? like that. Yeah, interesting. So there you go. That's a good little... T- learning so much this week. That's why you brought me on, man. Yeah. 
Uh, hey, uh, quickly, uh, we talked about this. We're going to talk a little bit more about it because I think, I think we're going to have Deontay Wilder on this week. That's Wilder cool. Fury coming up on Saturday. Yeah, man. Uh, not really uh, into uh, previewing boxing matches four sure. days in advance. Yeah. Let's but go ahead and save some until Friday, but I'll, I'll cook a little appetizer. But seriously, serious question. You asked, really, yeah. in the commercial, like, why isn't anybody talking about this? This is Dude. a huge fight. Yeah. But so, no, you don't feel like anybody's talking about it? No, no one's talking about this, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And you think about it, Brent, I mean, it's really the resurgence right now with Anthony Joshua, with Andy Ruiz. I mean, it's kind of the resurgence right now of heavyweight boxing. And people tune in to watch heavyweight boxing back in the day with Tyson and Holyfield. Why? Because guys get knocked out. So it's the most intriguing weight class. Well, you have Dante Wilder, who's knocked every one of his opponents out except one, and Tyson Fury, who's undefeated himself. I mean... And it's the grudge match, it's the rematch, and no one's talking about it. Now, one can be said, it's it's from the promotion standpoint, right? Because, you know, when Tyson Fury signed with ESPN Boxing and Top Rank, and then uh, Dante Wilder kind of went independent, maybe that kind of killed some of the momentum a little bit. But I just think it's weird with such a high-profile boxing event that you don't see it on TV, you don't hear about the sports heads talking about it all. It's just, it's really weird. It's kind of flying underneath the radar a little bit. I don't know what I was watching yesterday. But I saw some like in prime time. I don't know if it was maybe it was ESPN two or one of. I mean, usually in the office, our show. But yeah. it was like a whole hour roundtable on like Fury and Wilder. Oh, okay, so, so I was at least a little someone's surprised talking about it. That, like when you said that, I was like, well, I feel like I've seen it, or I keep seeing the stamp, like the you know the watermark of teasing the um, the fight. Sure. On all the shows, yeah. I mean, it's coming up. So we'll keep where it, is the we'll, fight by the way? Like, what is it on? Is it is it a? I mean, it's just strictly pay per view fight. It's gonna be pay per view. Well, keep in mind too, you'll see it on ESPN because Tyson Fury's the ESPN guy. Right, because he's with top ranked boxing, okay. so it's under. It's almost like their obligation to so obviously talk about it. it. So that's okay. why they're promoting it. But uh, yeah, I think from like a, a bigger spectrum, I just I don't see a lot of people promoting it. Um, but it is Wednesday too. I it mean, is, yeah. It's like it's it's, no, but that doesn't that beef up like in the like a day in advance usually. Like the weigh-in happens. And- you know what? It, it can, Brent, but I just think there was so much more hype for the first fight, right? Like it, it was the Deontay Wilder till this day. You know, like all those memes and everything like that. Yeah. And like, you know, the, the, the Tyson Fury story, it, it was fresh and exciting. And, and to be fair, it is kind of baffling because think about it. Tyson Fury has really lived the life of a, of a traveler that these past six, seven months. I mean, he's been with WWE. He's been all around the world promoting this thing. And I just think for as much time and effort as they've put into promoting this fight, it hasn't really paid dividends quite yet. But like you said, maybe there's going to be a push at the, at the weigh-in, and maybe that'll generate things a little bit. We'll see. Interesting. Uh, yeah. All right, we'll talk. We might have uh, Deontay Wilder on, by the way, Friday. That's awesome, man. We're I'm looking forward to that. So, cool. I just uh, told uh, Austin that. He got all fired up. Oh, I was so... I mean, dude, talking to the champ right before his match. Are you kidding me? Uh, I got some. By the way, I got something else to get you fired up. What do you got? Hold on. You got to talk for a minute. I got to get this. All right, so yeah, Brent's uh, reaching underneath here, trying to set the scene a little bit. Um, not sure what he's pulling out. Yeah, oh, that's man. my man Ronan right there. Oh, check it out! You gotta watch the video feeds for this. Monster jams coming my wife's up. Listening, you might want to tune into the video stream right now. Wow, man! Look at that. Thank you very much. You came through, Brent. Liz Morgan and the folks over there at Monster Jam wow. always taking care of us. Yeah. And uh, they got uh, Monster Jam coming up, and I was like, oh, baby. Whoa. I just got Ronan, his oh. uh, birthday present, Christmas present, out-of-school present. 
Listen. And thanks to Monster Jam. You, I didn't do a thing. Do you know how much of a bummer it is, though, to have Brent as your friend and for your son to be all about him? Because let's be honest here. I mean, like, I can. I try to be a great father. I try to be, you know, in my son's life as much as possible. We do a lot of fun activities. But then Brent goes ahead and does things like this, you know. Where, Just tell him it's from you, man. No, man, I'm not going to lie to him. <laughs> And listen, and, and he's called Brent Awesome before. Me, I lied so he's, bad. he's called Brent Awesome before on video. He's never called me <laughs> Awesome before. And it's really got to the point now where I can foresee in whatever, uh, in 16, 17 years, we're sitting at the NFL draft. My son's going to be a first-round pick, and I'm, like, in the cheap seats, and Brent's going to be at the main table giving my son a hug, saying, hey, I always believed in you. Go get him. And I'm going to be up there with, like, my selfie stick, like, hey, I'm at the draft. Congratulations, son. I love you. Can you hear me? Me? Like yeah, it's that's the way I see this happening. That's just here. because by then I'm his agent. That's <laughs> there it. it is. Uh, Kuz, by the way, highly disappointed right now. He's not getting this Monster Jam stuff. Sorry, dude. I can, right. I can I can ask my son to share a little bit. We've been teaching sharing at our house, so that's a well, heck maybe, of a package, dude, by the way. This is, I mean, well, I mean the, this is this is a new guy right here. I don't know who this guy is. No, the, that's the, the bro dozer. The bro dozer is they're they're really pushing him. I think Look, okay. the whole thing is that's going to become quickly his favorite. Okay, I like that. And then we got the the Florida monster truck. We got a Florida monster truck now too. Bro, these are a bunch of new guys coming out here. Well, that's why you got to go see the show. February Florida 29. man monster truck or just Florida well, monster? Well, I'm doing this well right now. And it's funny. So I take my son to you know to daycare every single day, and we go on 295 past the Dams Point Bridge, and there's a giant um, you know like board hanging up for Monster Jam. So like we're just casually listening to music, nice and quiet, and all of a sudden out of nowhere in the back seat, Monster Jam! I'm like, what? 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 We hit something? What are we talking about, Rones? And it's like, oh no, the, the the billboard. Like you think I would know it by now, but I don't. And every single morning. Freaks me out a little bit. So no, thank you very much, man. You you just made a four year old's day. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, it was more uh, the, the Monster Jam folks, but I'm thinking of my guy Ronan right after yeah. I, I saw that in the office. All right, uh, worst coaches in professional sports history is John Beeline now on the list. <laughs> by, by the way, how do you look at the Beeline thing? Is he quitting on the organization? <laughs> Is it right to get out when you're supposed to get out and it's not working? Oh, it definitely wasn't working. So I think he just was. But was it ever going to work in Cleveland? I mean, Cleveland stinks and they reset the whole thing and LeBron left and everybody. I mean, it it was a mess. They're not going to win again, even if they did everything right for four years. There's from what I can gather from it is there's a you can't coach it like it's college. And I think that's what he was doing. And he was too strict with guys who are now like, hey, we're in the NBA like you can't kind of have these strict rules with us. And then obviously he had the comments that he says he meant to say slug, but mm-hmm. apparently said the word mm-hmm. thug. And so I think from that point on, it was, was it just gone after that. I, yeah. You got to believe it was. Oh, it had to have been. So I think it's probably He's been in the worst. He's a 67-year-old college coach, though. Who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> well, the Cavs, because they're the Cavs. But... <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I, listen, I know when I say like age stuff, I'm not, listen, it's fine if you're 67, I'll be there someday. Yeah, I we get all will, hopefully. But 67-year-old college coach, which is a different, it's so different to me than having Billy D at 48 mm-hmm. or even Brad Stevens, he looks like he's 22, I don't know how old he is right now, but, <laughs> you know, it's not the, we talk all the time, like you've got to relate more to these players more than ever. Yeah. Possibly basketball even more than football, you would say, huh? 67-year-old John Beeline, who, who's a fantastic coach at the college. Unbelievable what he did with Michigan. Yeah. 
it just didn't make a lot of sense from the get-go, in my opinion. And listen, I think we touched about this maybe two days ago. I talked about basketball coaches and everything. And to me, dude, it's it's such a weird sport where you have to have the talent to be successful. Like, I consider Greg Popovich one of the best coaches ever in the NBA. Well, Greg Popovich, right now, he's he's in the 10th or 9th in the Western Conference. All right? They're, They're 23 and 31. You you need more than just having a great coach. You got to have the talent around him. And I used the example a couple of days ago with Steve Kerr. I think Steve Kerr is a great coach. I think he's a great basketball mind. But guess what? When Steph Curry's not on the court, when Clay Thompson's not on the court, how good are they? So I get from the, the beeline situation where yeah, some things got said and it just it wasn't a good fit. I understand that. But like to me, it's just it's hard to to really lock down a great coach and say yes, this guy's a real game changer. Just because if you don't have the talent to cultivate it, what's the point? I mean, honestly, the only guy I can really think of right now, Kuz, to me, who has my attention as the makings to be a fantastic, legendary coach, Nick Nurse of the Raptors. Because you, you watch what he did last year with Kawhi Leonard, and they won the, won the title. You lose your best player, and guess what? They're good this year again. And I, I think Nick Nurse what is about that Spolstra? guy. Spolstra's too yeah, good, done good a call. fantastic good job. Good call. Yeah, but then one could argue he didn't yeah. do enough when they were in Miami with, with LeBron James. Well, I mean, and I would, I would also say that LeBron and them being there was almost like a knock against him for a while, saying, well, of course, of course you're going to be a like great coach. It's like anybody who coached the yeah. Cavs was not a good coach because and, and, it was LeBron, yeah. right? Correct. Right. Like you were saying with Steve Kerr, same same thing. Like you, you obviously are going to play better when you have – Good, good players in there, but then those good players are also going to be the reason people argue you're not a good coach. Yeah. All right. So how about some worst coaches on the list? All right. Maybe Hit we'll get to more of this in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we got some players' tickets to give away, and and uh, Jared Rice will join us in, for a couple minutes in just a bit. But 38 on the list. It's a top 40 list. I think it was. Uh, who did this? Bleacher Report has a list I out. So yeah. Rick Patino, number 38. Again, this is at the professional level. Okay, I was going to say, uh, college, I mean, I think he did all right. No, well, I was going to tell you, this whole list, the whole time I was like, wait, what? Yeah, and, and that's like, what's wait, funny about okay, the list. Yeah. It's interesting. You'll hear some names. Yeah. 102 and 146 with the Celtics. He even was quoted as saying, uh, I won't say I'm humbled, but I know where I didn't do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Calipari, 37 on the list. Yeah. Uh, Lane Kiffin. Let, let me quick ask about Calipari. Do you think he's a great basketball coach or just a great recruiter? I, I, and I actually, say that with all due respect. To him. I understand, and yeah. people say that, and he's probably a better recruiter than he is a coach. Although I'm a big advocate that he's a very good coach because he has to recycle that. All. Now, listen, he's got incredible talent, sure. but if you look at where his teams usually start and how they play and where they finish the year mm-hmm. annually, they're usually a lot better, yeah. uh, and. To the point where you forget about them. And this year's team is another example. All of a sudden, they're back in the top ten. Remember they lost to Evansville? Yep. And so you're like, oh, gosh, this is terrible. Well, they're back in the top ten. And I heard some people talking today, like, they've got a, they've got a chance to win it all. Mm-hmm. Now, I think there are, like, 20 teams that have a chance to win it all this year because it's so wide open. But I think he is. I, I, I think Calipari, because of some of the messes, Early on, like the UMass stuff, and which he's still in denial about all that stuff, but mm-hmm. because he's been linked to that, and he kind of has that slippery look to him. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I don't know if he gets enough credit for being a really good basketball coach. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think I'm gonna disagree with you here, Brent. Just from the standpoint, like, listen, I mean, I went to Murray State. I know Kentucky basketball, and they're all for him and everything, and I get that. But for as much talent that that guy's had. Like, to me, he's almost running just like a one-and-done factory. You know, and I think Coach Krzyzewski's actually been on record kind of talking against him a little bit here, where, 
is it really Calipari's job to like when he goes into the to, to the the households? Does he say we're going to win a championship first or you're going to the NBA first? And now I can't answer that question. I don't know. But to me, I think he's selling more of the dream of listen, you come to Kentucky, man, we'll get you in the NBA. You know, look at my track record more than you come to Kentucky, won some national championships. At least that's the kind of the vibe that I get from him. Not saying it's wrong because I mean he's won a couple, but I'm just saying I think from the standpoint of the promises that he makes to his players, I think the main goal there is to get his players to the NBA. Well, and I think it's part of recruiting, because what does that kid want to do sitting in his living room? Let's get to the NBA someday. Hence, right. why, hence why they go one and done. Yeah. yeah, so listen, I don't know if you're wrong. I just don't know if he gets enough credit for being a really good basketball coach, too. And uh, the people that think what you think would say, well, why isn't he won more? Look at the talent that he has had. Why isn't he won more national championships? And probably a fair question. Yeah. Uh, hey, I'll get to more yeah. of the bad coaches in just a moment. But how about a good guy first for the Players' Championship Executive Director of the Players' Championship Weekly Visit with Jared Rice. How are we doing today, man? We're getting closer. What is it, 20 days? 19. 20? Uh, we, we are we are 19, 19. and uh, just a brill, brilliant job there. We, the transition from bad coaches to, uh, to talking to me, I was, I was getting a little worried there. Nice work, though. Well, we're about to ask you about your jump shot. So. <laughs> hey, Don. I messed around uh, back in the day. I've uh, yeah, I had a little uh, I got a varsity letter to my name, Bray. You never know. I never know. Go. Surprise you. you. I can see that, by the way. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's a good question right now. I'm going to ask you this. You're involved with golf, but most people that are involved with golf don't play a lot of golf because they don't have the time to play a lot of golf. They just get asked, can you help me get on a golf course or tickets yeah. to something? Um, I'm sure yeah, that, Jared, gets, that's a great point. <laughs> Jared gets plenty of that. But what, uh, give us your sports background a little bit. Uh, what do yeah. you play, and, and are you can you play golf a bit? Are you a good golfer? I grew up playing basketball. That was my that was my sport. Loved it. Played it uh, all year long. Um, had a uh, had a twinkle in my eye to play in, in college, and um, didn't end up doing that. Um, wanted to go to a big school and, and have some fun and think about uh, life after. So. Uh, but that, that was my uh, hoops was my game, and um, as as far as golf goes, I'm a, uh, a 14 handicap trending to, to 19 or 20 these days. So um, I, I I do I do love getting out on the course. It's so much fun, and just uh, you know we're very very fortunate here to have some great facilities in in our in our area. And I've got a couple of little guys that uh, it's a lot of fun to, to bring them out and, and get them. Pointed in the right direction, so that's my golf game these days. Is, is making sure they come out and have a good time, and I'm just uh, keeping them uh, keeping them happy out there. Jared, say you go to a different course and go golfing. Like, how hard is it for you not to do your job to try to analyze what they do, how the the, the course conditions are? Like, is that what you're doing 24 seven at a new golf course, or can you just kind of turn <laughs> it off a little bit and enjoy the game? My game, yeah. If you- if you see my game, uh, then you know that the, uh, the you know the the, re- the fine tuning of it is uh, I, I'm, I do not uh, I'll play anywhere, um, and you know I think that again just being really fortunate to have a I'm, I'm sitting out here um, just behind the number one tee box right now talking to you all and uh, you know sun setting and looking around this this facility it is it is absolutely immaculate and. Um, you know, it, it, it's this is a, a bucket list for so many people, and to think that we have we have this again here here in our town and, and some other great facilities. It's uh, it's hard, hard to beat this one, but um, again, when I go to help and play socially, it's about uh, just getting away and be with some friends and, and my little guys. So it's all good. Jared Rice, uh, executive director of the Players Championship, uh, with us 19 days until the Players Championship. All right, I like getting these progress reports and. and- teaching everybody about how you guys get ready for the tournament. 
And I know there's so much that goes on the final month, even though the course looks like, hey, it's ready to go uh, to the naked eye. What happens between, say, day 19 and day 10 or 12? Uh, what's the next week like for you guys? Well, it's pretty interesting. We have, um, we're have we at a unique spot, and just, again, the way that the tournament is organized and was originally developed, uh, you know, it's the home of the PGA Tour, and uh, we, we work for our players, and this, this event has to be the best and the best for not only our players, but in every area that we deliver media uh, for our title sponsors, our volunteers, and, and our community. So it yeah, that best of the best transcends, but it, it does it does uh, you know high, hold a higher level for for our players. And you know, right now the only people that can play the golf course uh, are players that are, are eligible uh, for the Players Championship, so that are in our field, uh, and that is until the 29th of, of uh, February. And then there's no play whatsoever until the seventh of excuse me, the sixth of March. So just to be out here again, it's really cool to see how. Um, how much attention to detail and how the facility really does just explode. There's, um, you know, they're, they're fine tuning things. They're, you know, it's growing in great. And, and they're, again, fine tuning it to championship level conditions. We had uh, Harris English, um, uh, JT Poston. We had uh, Matt Every and a few other uh, Sea Island uh, uh, players that live up in uh, Sea Island come down for the day today and, and play the course. And we're starting to see that every day. Uh, Zach Johnson was here for a couple of days. So, Again, we're starting to see players come in and um, you know get ready for the for the championship. That's interesting. I didn't realize uh, that that final week the players couldn't play on it uh, as, as well. So I knew you were shutting down pretty soon. But that's a very interesting part of it as the players prep for it. And uh, gosh, I would imagine Jared that the entire field probably has played the golf course. Is, is that fair or or what? Yeah, that's a great question. I think we're going to have uh, 16 first timers somewhere in that area, um, which is about. Uh, average yeah. and you know there's some there's some great ones that have uh like max Homa's won and and you know wins their way into the into the players championship and and that's pretty cool um but you're you're right um most players will have an opportunity to to get here and practice uh but not everybody uh, we've had some players that their only uh, time that they play the same courses with the uh coming through as a junior for the junior players championship that happens mm-hmm. over the summertime so um there's also this era of of young players that um you know oftentimes we'll we'll hear yeah it's a little different than uh seeing it on xbox so there is <laughs> that, yeah they gotta get out here and see the break for themselves it's not just uh you know uh pressing the the y button on the uh on the, on the xbox it controller. was all that but, easy <laughs> exactly then i'd be less than a 14 but uh no you not everyone in the field ha- has played it before but um you know, that's what the these windows for players in the field to come in, practice, fine-tune, and um, obviously some practice round days in advance of, of the competition days that, uh, that start in, in March. That's a fun question. I don't know if you have uh, – and I'm, I know you won't have concrete uh, and, you know, analytics on this, but do you think – this is the most iconic hole in, in the world, uh, 17. So TPC Sawgrass is known worldwide, and it's obviously a big course. But it is on those video games. Uh, do you, has that helped the mystique, if you will, of TPC Sawgrass, especially the 17th hole? I mean, is there talk of that uh, in your circles of just this era of young player or people in general that want to come here because they've seen it in that kind of arena and now want to see it for real life? I mean, I, I have heard that. I can't. I couldn't tell you chapter and verse. Uh, I forget which which player it was at the time, but um, they made reference to it's a lot different in person than it is on Xbox. 
Um, and, you know, I think that's, that's, that's pretty neat. And when you think about that hole in particular, you just nailed it. It's the most recognized golf hole in the world. Um, and it's most photographed and, you know, just from a competitive perspective, it is really that defining moment in a player's you know, route while there is certainly times throughout the golf course that they're going to be challenged. In fact, every, every shot, they're going to be challenged in the way that it was designed. But, um, you know, Rory's saying that that, that's, that walk from 16 to 17 is about you know, 20 yards too long. Just kind of shows you that they are, you know, they are, they are thinking about it. And um, that's what it was designed to and intended to do. Yeah, absolutely. Jared Rice with us, executive director of the Players' Championship. Uh, one last one for you, and then we'll give away some yeah. tickets and uh $25 gift card to M-Shack. Adam Scott wins uh, this last week. Uh, Rory's playing well. Uh, you got some a few guys that are really playing well coming in. Now, Tiger, yeah, obviously, at- Tiger obviously didn't play well last week, but um, is that important to you guys uh, to have some of those former champs and, and some of those kind of name guys playing pretty good golf this time of year and, and maybe getting hot. There's still a little bit of time before they come to Ponte Vedra, but uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys like hearing that, especially with a former champ like Adam Scott. Sure. It doesn't feel like there's that much time at all. Right? <laughs> 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 um, but no, it, it, listen, anytime that there's a, a player's past champion that has a player's champion that, that wins, I think that is a positive thing for, uh, for the tournament. And, and you think about you know some of the again their their success the comments they make and and seeing it as a and, and a lot of times a signature win among their among their uh, their resume is a great thing for the tournament and and when they come back here and play well i mean there was there was Rory you just named him Rory Adam Scott Kuchar um probably missing somebody in there that that had a really great uh, web web Simpson's and playing fantastic mm-hmm. um to to have a have a great run coming in um, I just think it shows that those those champs again want to come here and perform at a high level uh, because of the magnitude of the event. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, all right, uh, before we give this away, your big message points that you're trying to get into all the local folks' head that might be a little bit different, like tickets, uh, mobile tickets now, and and any parking uh, messaging that that uh, we need to know in the next uh, couple of weeks as we head to the Players Championship. Sure. As you purchase tickets and or uh, send tickets from a friend, um, accept them, download them, put them in your mobile wallet. Uh, the technology we're using allows you to do that so that when you come on site and you're at our entries, just open up your wallet and it's right there. You don't have to re-authenticate or re-sign in, any of that. Once you get purchased a ticket or once you're sent one, immediately take it, download it into your wallet. And we do have this year uh, parking is required Tuesday through Sunday. And you can do that by either buying a parking pass. You can bring four or more people in your car. Uh, you have to have a pass for that. Uh, or you can um, you know, consider Uber and, and Rideshare. Uh, those first two go to theplayers.com, and we have all the information under parking. But really give some thought to that as uh, we're seeing a lot of uptick the last couple of days on parking, and it's, uh, it's starting to get tight. So we will sell out. Uh, make those commitments now, and you'll be fine. Yeah, educate yourself on all the changes. Not there's a ton of them, but uh, any changes when it comes to parking and ticketing, uh, players.com. Uh, Jared Rice, thanks, man. Uh, we're going to give away uh, four Players Championship tickets, $25 gift card to M Shack right now. Caller number four for Adam Scott, who won in 2004 right. at the Players Championship. And uh, the number 904-362-9901 or star star 690 904 
888-900-9901. Jared, we'll talk to you next week, man. 19 days to go. Thanks. Be good. All right. That's uh, Jared Rice, uh, Players' Championship. Uh, like learning about the event in some different ways. I like having Jared on, and uh, he educates us. Not a bad uh, backdrop for a phone call for him. He's just sitting Not there right all, behind man. the first tee, although... Taking it all in. I can't only hang on a golf course for so long on a specific hole without actually hitting a shot. Uh, yeah. So i got to put a peg in the ground. We're a little different <laughs> in that regard. I think so, yeah. You can yeah. watch the sun go Me, down. I could just enjoy the nature aspect of it, everything, yeah. yeah. You, you can go say hey to that bald eagle or whatever, or <laughs> osprey nest or whatever's or, up there. Uh, or possibly a queen bee. If but, you're or a queen bee, but yeah. I want to go make an eagle or at least you. birdie or double bogey. I don't care, but I want to hit the dang golf ball. <laughs> Haven't done it enough. Did go out to Southampton today and hit a couple of balls. How'd it go? It was good. Yeah, but I, you, hate, I don't like really, hitting balls. Are you ever like really out of form though? Like I mean, you golf year round, right? So it's not like oh, I'm a little rusty here. I've gotten either, better either, at that. Either you're good or you're bad, right? Yeah, I've gotten better yeah. at being a little more consistent. But the short game is usually something oh. like <laughs> chipping and putting. You don't tell me, Brent. Yeah, or I'll shoot 124 like Coos. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN Ouch. 690. Still a champ. I'll keep Tannehill. I think you got a good lock. Oh, yeah. yeah, I would. I, really? Listen, for one year. For, but listen, where Tannehill is keeping Derrick Henry, if you bring Brady, that's a tough keep on Henry. It's going to affect a lot of different things. I think Tannehill makes the team, keeps the team complete. Go ahead, keep Tannehill. I've seen that movie before here in Jacksonville. That's Jeff Saturday, by the way. Sure. And, uh,. I've been wrong about Titans a lot. Yeah, it's an understatement. I mean, you, you probably, I'm rooting you probably, for the Titans to you keep probably bought, You probably bought in the Tennessee Titans in the AFC Championship game. I'm not sure I fully bought into them. <laughs> you finally said, you know what, they might be pretty good. Uh, do you think they should keep Tannehill? You're the GM. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it depends on the price from my standpoint, Brent. But, and, and I get it, man. This is this is the Blake Bortles scenario all over again, and I understand that. But if you go back to the Tennessee Titans last year, Tannehill goes 7-3, and three, all right? I think he had three or four game-winning drives to propel them to the playoffs. Um, if you look at, obviously, Derrick Henry was the heart and soul of the team. He, he was the cog that made the, that offense work. But for the most part, excluding the AFC Championship game, when, you know, Henry was getting targeted, obviously, then Tannehill would step up with A.J. Brown or somebody else, and, and and he was adequate, okay? So if I look at the Titans right now, and I look at what we have as a roster, and I look at, you know what, we were this close to going to the Super Bowl. I think that I almost got to keep Tannehill, Brent, because I don't want to bring in a new guy. I don't want to bring in a rookie and try to build him up because I think the time to win right now for the Tennessee Titans is now. Okay, it's it's right now. It's the next couple years or what so. What about Brady? Like if it was an actual well, option. You know, to, to get back to kind of Saturday's point a little bit, I think that if you do bring in Brady, obviously to me it's an upgrade. I don't know if I'd call it even an upgrade now, though. Well, would you call it Tom Brady an upgrade if he was going to the Titans right now over Tannehill? A thousand percent. For, from a skill set, Brent. No, because of the way they're built. You're not asking him to do – first of all, let's. the Patriots were not great this year. Correct. Not a lot around him. And Tom Brady statistically didn't have a great year in terms of Tom Brady's standards. But I'm not sitting here thinking that Tom Brady has regressed so badly as a quarterback. I think the guy's still got stuff. But he needs stuff. 
You know, he can't just overcome everything. The game has changed too much. He can't move enough, and you better give him something. Well, you give him Derrick Henry as a run op- uh, option, a good offensive line, okay. a, a, a tight end, and try to get him some more weapons, even though their weapons are okay, depending on who you want to buy into. I think he – oh, my gosh. I would take Brady – tenfold right now over Tannehill and, and run with it. And not just because his name's Brady. I think because he will be better than Tannehill. Tannehill's going to be a huge mistake. Okay. I understand they're in the situation, but all the listen, Tennessee, you give them credit. Whether they should have or shouldn't have or did it right or didn't right didn't do it right, I think it depends who you who you are. Uh Malarkey had done okay. Mm-hmm. But they said we don't feel like we're gonna go where we want to go with Malarkey. We're gonna bring in Mike Vrabel. Well, that's work. They got further than they did. Now, would Malarkey have gotten to the I, I don't know. Maybe he would have. Who knows? Yeah. But they did that. That's a good decision on their part. They got deeper than they've been in a long time, and that was a right. They could have settled for, hey, this is good. This is going the right way. No, we think we need to go here to get to this level. I give them a lot of credit for doing that. It's a tough decision to make sometimes. I think they could have stuck with Mariota, although they had already given Mariota such a chance they probably had to make a move, mm-hmm. and they did make a move, and they went with Tannehill, and it really worked for them. But now they have to be brave enough again to recognize that Tannehill is not all of a sudden founded and going to be a guy that you can ride with to Super Bowls and all this stuff. He had a great stretch. And I can only say this because I saw this in Jacksonville. It is the exact same situation that the Jags had with Bortles. And I'm not giving the Titans friendly advice. Go ahead. Resign Tannehill. I hope you do. Mm. Because it's going to be a bad move. And sign mm. him for a lot of money. Tannehill is who he is. He had a great couple of months. And that's it. And they don't have to look further than the AFC South neighbors to figure it out what went wrong in Jacksonville when they tried to do the same thing, even though it made a lot of sense at the time because I could sell you on it, they could sell us on it. Tannehill is not the answer there, whether it's Brady or somebody else. Again, dollars come into play. I mean, if you're going to get Tannehill to play on a $10 million deal, well, I guess that's probably better than having a young guy playing. Sure. But there are better ways to go than Tannehill and giving him $25 million a year is my point. I guess, listen, you want to compare it to the Blake Bortles situation, but it's not quite like that, Brent. Because Tannehill, he had time in Miami, all right? There was one season where he threw 27 touchdown passes and 12 interceptions. Not a bad year. 24 and 12 the next season. So he's had some success on a pretty crappy Dolphins team, if you ask me, okay? He comes in to Tennessee, rides the pine. Doesn't expect to get his name called. You're a backup quarterback. Mariota's the man. We spent, you know, the draft pick on him. Marcus Mariota's the dude. Well, Mariota doesn't, you know, succeed. They bring in Tannehill and from the get-go hits the ground running, which is not an always an easy thing to do as a backup quarterback to have your mindset to come in ready to play. And he leads the Tennessee Titans to the playoffs, okay? He had a lot to do with it. I get it. Derrick Henry, best running back in the league last year. I understand that. But if you go back and watch the Titans, you know, when they won the ball games, it was in Ryan Tannehill's hands at the end to propel them to the playoffs. A lot like Lamar Jackson two years ago helping the Ravens get in the playoffs. All right? Now, I'm not comparing Tannehill to Jackson whatsoever. Completely different player. No, this is a Bortles-Tannehill yeah, comparison. exactly. But my thing but, would be Tannehill went six weeks of a hot stretch Bortles went through a three- or four-week stretch in December of that year that propelled them into the playoffs. Same thing. But, but it's not the same thing because Tannehill's had success in the past on a different team. They didn't have anything around him. Blake Bortles had one great season. The other seasons, man, I was the guy that was 
listen, and I told this story before, I was a casual football fan. I said my first curse word in front of my son when he was like two years old because Blake Bortles threw back to back to back, I think, pick sixes in three games in a row. And, and Bortles I, has and to I live lost with that. my mind. And he has to live with that. <laughs> so there you go. Blake, I'm sorry I put that much pressure on you, man, but it is what it is. But I'm saying from Tannehill's perspective, he came from a horrible situation in Miami. And you know what? He had a couple good seasons. Now, yeah, there were some seasons that went all the crap, and I understand that. But it's not fair, I think, to compare this to Blake Bortles because the situations of how Tannehill got to Tennessee, of his past track record, it is different than Blake Bortles. Here's why it's not that different, though. Okay. Because you have to decide, is your quarterback that you are about to go with, is he worth, let's just throw $25 million out. Mm-hmm. You had to decide that with Blake Bortles, too. Well, the Jacks really didn't, but they did. <laughs> they had a lot to compete with. But you got it's debatable how much Tanny Hill will have in terms of suitors. There's a lot of quarterbacks out there right now. Sure. And so for $25 million or whatever it is, it'll be interesting to see how many suitors he has. So I think it's more – first of all, I do think it's comparable. <laughs> I think of I, – I think actually you could even say Blake had a better postseason overall with a huge Pittsburgh game. I had no, a bad I, Buffalo yeah, game. Honestly, I mean, so, they, they rolled the back of Derrick Henry. That was obvious. I, I think they're so much alike because basically everybody had given up. Miami had given up on Tannehill. Tennessee said, hey, you know what? It's not a bad backup option. But we don't see him as our guy. But he's not a bad backup option. People had given up on Bortles about toward going into that last year. They said, this is kind of it. Well, he rescues himself and plays excellent football. And it's like, whoa. Maybe he found it. He found it. Now people are wondering, has Tannehill found it? And then the dollars that you have to invest and say, I'm moving forward with this guy, makes it comparable in my opinion. And there is still a lot unknown for for the Titans. I I just think it will be a – again, I'm only going with what I saw. And I think even – you could kind of play this on a different level because it's not that kind of dollars with a guy like Goff. Goff has that great – that year that leads him to the Super Bowl, but – have, were we ever all in on golf? No. But the, see, the Rams were forced to go all in on golf because mm-hmm. well, he led him to a Super Bowl as a young guy and he's going to come up with a contract soon. I, I understand the situations. I understand the want. I understand what the Jags did back then. But you got to make the tough decision to say, do we really want to lock up this amount of money for a guy that do we really believe in him? Do we but, really think he's going to take us there if it's if again if the dollars go up to what I think they might go up to? Here's the issue though, Brent. With Blake Bortles, you could have just kept him for what you had. You didn't well, have to give him. You didn't have to exercise that. You know, you couldn't. Well, you, could, could exercise, exercise you could exercise, exercise yeah. that exactly. But from Tannehill's perspective, either you pay him or he's gone. So if you don't want to spend whatever we'll say the twenty five million, I'd probably obviously offer a little lower. But let's say <laughs> it's twenty five million dollars. Well, if you don't want to give him that money, then who is that money going to go to? Who are you going to go get then? Because, listen, you're one game away from going to the Super Bowl, all right? So you're close if you're the Tennessee Titans. At least I think you feel you're close. I think you feel like you have the right coach. You have the the, the right setup. You win in the trenches. Assuming you sign Derrick Henry again uh, to a new deal as well, then who do you go with, Brent? Who Who is the answer? Uh, here's what I would do. I'd be more willing... Although probably not at thirty million, mm-hmm. but if it's approaching twenty five, twenty six million, whatever it might be for Tannehill, if it's approaching that kind of stratosphere, I'd be more willing to link on to a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. Mm. I, I would. I mean, he yeah. fits them too, man. They want to <laughs> run. They don't want to put it in his hands. They're, 
He doesn't yeah. have to do too, too much. Yeah. That's ah, a little chillier there. It's a little cold. I don't know. Does that matter? I, I'm not sure. But they got no good offensive line. Why wouldn't Correct. he fit? I mean, he would fit. You're not asking him to do too much. And I and I think I would believe in that even more than Tannehill. Although I understand why you would say, whoa, whoa. What I would be, what I would consider doing, seriously, this sounds crazy. But uh, again, I don't know where the Tannehill money is going to be. Sure. I, I don't know where it's going to be. But uh, we keep using like 25. I mean, that's like nothing for a quarterback anymore. Just isn't. Correct. Anybody who's, who's a free agent and you're signing, well, Foles got 22 million. I know he's coming off Super Bowl, but. Mm-hmm. This guy just came off a nice run. So the franchise tags $27 million for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. If Tennessee really wants to be smart, I'd go say do it again. For a full season. Yeah. See what you got. Do it again. Yeah. So that way I'm not on the hook for the next three years of it or two years of it. Mm-hmm. I'd be willing to spend more money right now knowing that I'm not locked in. And we can go through this dance again next year, but you got to show me you can do it. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I'm not mad at that. You know, I'm not, so, I'm not mad at that. Again, I mean, now is he, can you get him for 16 million, and then you're going to pay him 27 for a freight? Well, that's a different story. Mm. But if the dollars are going to go up to 22, 23, 24, 25 million dollars, well, why not just put the if the tag's going to be around 27? Yeah, let's do it that way. Yeah, I know a player don't love it. Listen, but I think he also should understand as a player, he proved it for about seven, eight weeks. No, I understand, man. And, and, and to be fair, is Teddy Bridgewater probably the better pickup? On paper, yes. You know, Teddy Bridgewater went undefeated um, as a starter in the NFL, and he's shown some pretty good promise. But at the same time, I was the guy that sat here last year and said, well, Nick Foles is definitely the, the, the lights-out guy to come to Jacksonville because he's definitely the best quarterback in the free agent class. We saw how that turned out. So, from me, I agree with the tagging standpoint just because I think with Tannehill – he knows the system, obviously. He knows the culture. He knows what, you know, Vrabel's trying to do there. I think you play it out for another year and see what you got, and then you go from there. But to add another new mix to it, a new quarterback, you know, especially a veteran guy, I just I can't come along with you, man. I honestly, and it's crazy for me to sit here and say I think Ryan Tannehill is the guy because honestly, I really don't think he is. Like I don't think, you know, I don't think he's a top eight quarterback in the league right now. There's no way. But I just think with what he was able to do, with what he had at his disposal, and the way the team's set up right now, I think it would be crazy to let him go. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. I just think there are a lot of Ryan Tannehills out there. And honestly, is Andy Dalton any worse than a Ryan Tannehill? I mean, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, again, yeah. these guys know. I, I, I just think if you're, uh, again, the biggest part of this that we saw is there's an emotional attachment to thinking, oh, Wow, that guy found it. Yeah. Well, we saw it here that the guy didn't find it. We're not even sure if Nick Foles truly found it. So we might have seen it twice here. So there's an emotional thing to that, that the Tennessee Titans, their fans, everybody in Nashville are feeling right now to Ryan Tannehill. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, I think they make a big mistake if they commit long-term to him. All right. uh, So it's amazing how Jeff Saturday got us on Ryan Tannehill for 20 minutes. Talking about the Tennessee Titans for the past 15 minutes, man. I'm going to pass out. Where the heck are we? I'm going to black out, man. All right, so give me some oxygen. I, wanna, I never got through this because uh, we gave away some players' tickets and yeah. everything. But some of the bad coaches, oh, okay? Yeah, that's right. North Turner's on the list. Bruce Cosler, remember him from uh, Jets. Yep. Uh, Dick LeBeau on the list. Uh, mm. Let's see who else we got. Worst. These are worst pro coaches, and we're doing it in relation to John Beeline. Bobby Petrino <laughs> did not work out well. <laughs> uh, very good college coach, not a good pro coach. Um, Ted Williams is on the list. How about that hmm. uh, for the Washington Senators? Josh McDaniels has made the list. It's amazing he's on this list. Yeah. Considering 
Well, is that he's I mean, a hot commodity? Is that the whole Tim Tebow thing? Uh, I think it's the whole uh, deal. Yeah. I mean, not just Tebow, but he didn't do well there. Yeah. Uh, in Denver, uh, he, listen, he had a magical year with Tebow. I know. <laughs> was good, yeah. You know what's on this? Barry Melrose is on this list. Barry Melrose, good analyst, nice. not a good coach. I guess so. <laughs> Great analyst, man. Great stud of hair on him too. All right, let's go. PJ Carlissimo is on the list. Uh, let's go down. Mike Singletary. And and rightfully on that list too. Yeah, right? who, who he actually he came to talk to our team one time in the, the Bears locker room. Was it good? It's interesting. He, I mean, he's definitely an old school guy. Let's just say that. Uh, Marty Morningwick is on the list. Steve Spurrier is on this list in the pro ranks for the Redskins. Redskins. Wow. Isaiah Thomas is on the list. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Come on, Rod Marinelli, Maury Wills. Joe Quinn, number three. Burt Bell, number two. This goes all the way back to, like, 1930s. Come on. And Ned Harkness for the Red Wings. NHL coach, yeah. That was disappointing bottom, like, top five. Because <laughs> it was hockey, man. Well, no, but it's like, the, here, look at the top five. Rod Marinelli, Maury Wills, Burt Bell, and Ned Harkness. By the way, people around here would say, how isn't – I, I – I, hate even saying this because I really do like the man. But people would say, how could Gus Bradley be on that list? (laughs) Record-wise. Does uh, does his time have like a nickname? Because I'm pretty sure with Harkness, it was the darkness with Harkness. It was. If I'm not mistaken. But I I wasn't even born. I just remember the history of the Wings without saying a Wings fan. Some of the other names, like up top, like the Patinos, the Caliparis, uh, the Lane Kiffins, those were better names than the ones at the bottom. Yeah. Come on. But this beeline, really, we brought this up because of beeline. Mm Mm-hmm. Is he fit on that? He won 14 games in the NFL or in the NBA. That's it. 14 the, games the sample total. Sample size wasn't big enough, I think. Yeah. Yeah, 50. I think it ended up being like 56 games total or something like that. I, I just have a bigger problem with him. I, and maybe they pushed him out. It just feels like he's walking away from it so early. I don't yeah. like that. It was a five year deal. And to walk away from it so early leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Hey, you're the one that signed up for it. Yeah, suck it up for sure. And, and you, you know, don't walk you, away now. You They're pushing out. It's a different too. story. You, you left a great thing in college. You was all set up in Michigan and everything. Yeah, you said you could do this. Go do it. Yeah, go fix it. But it makes you wonder if the players are fed up already. Well, it yeah. could be that. You yeah. know, I mean, and that's a that's just as much part of. It. By the way, now Bickerstaff's fourth stint as an interim head coach. He's the king of the interim. Uh, it must be at this point. <laughs> yeah. King of the interim. <laughs> all right, that's going to do it uh, here on a Wednesday. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You know, cool event coming up tonight. I'm going to go run over to uh, JU Dolphins are celebrating the 50th year anniversary of their final four appearance in National Runner-Ups lost to UCLA. So that's a cool event uh, happening downtown and going to go check that out. We'll have it for you on the TV side, CBS 47 and Fox 30. And uh, we'll get back after it uh, tomorrow here in studio. Two days in a row away from the road coming up tomorrow. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.